This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Burnholes in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fern Hall. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. Hello and welcome to Aetherite Radio, Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast. I'm Junks. Joining me today, we've got Zanidra, we've got Aldino, we've got Rook, and returning once again, because we're crazy and we're doing two Lorecasts <laughs> in a row, we've got Anonymous. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Um, Hello. In a row? In, in a, a row. row. I actually think we did a great job with this because initially mm-hmm. when we were looking at doing one lore cast, I think all of us behind the scenes, except for Moose, had a moment where we were like, oh, no, we got to we got to keep Moose here longer. Um, <laughs> put everything in it and then split it into two and yeah. hold him hostage for a second week. That's, that's definitely how it happened. Yeah. 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 Um, so One of those sorry, uh, not sorry situations. Yeah. <laughs> lore cast today. So that means spoilers. Um, last week was MSQ. Uh, this week we're gonna be talking about Your Hot Dark Apocalypse. Maybe make some sense out of it? Question mm-hmm. mark. Don't make um, promises. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if 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 Moose can turn our, our opinions around on on Yorha. He's that's that's his his job to see if if he can. Is do it that. his goal though? I was just about to actually ask you for clarification on what specifically my role is. Am I supposed to just make sense of it? Am I supposed to make you like like it more than you do? Well, like so, it less so than you do? let's like, let's my make let's sense be. of it because if if you can make sense of it, that's already miles ahead of where it is in my my head. Like I, I right. don't know what happened. I don't know why I should care. If you can make me care at least just like a little bit, you win. Mm. Right, operational definition is is that then um, I will make you I will make a little more sense of it. I don't know if I will make sense of it. Okay. Um, okay. I will make more sense of it. Great. Great. I like. It. Uh, and then uh, we also have Zabnor to talk about. Wrap up all that. Save the Queen story. So let's just jump right into it. You're about to say my name, and I got scared. Like what? What I do? <laughs> we also have Zabnor. Then you mean yes. you do? You mean you don't know what you did? No. Then Zanidra will be presenting her TED talk on Zadnor, which she is specifically responsible for, and none of us will say a Shit. word. So please Shit. enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> please look forward to it. I got I got some highlights. I could probably fake my way through that. All right. Mm-hmm. That for that is the face watching, of confidence. Yeah, I made there. That I made is a face. Yeah, I got this. It was a uh, blanched, blanched supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's go ahead. We'll we'll jump into Yorha first. Moose, what 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 happened? What what even was this collab? <laughs> like, that's 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 our launch point. What happened? Okay, um, let's see. Where do we start? I guess we start in in five But before I do that, I'm actually like one of my big fears. I'm going to start talking about this, and and people are just going to be like. Well, Yoko Taro said it was canon, and then a couple people are going to be like, no, he didn't, and then that's going to be chat the entire time we're talking. So I've never heard him say anything to that effect. I've seen a bunch of people on Reddit and Twitter say something to that effect. I haven't seen it myself. So if you have the citation, send it to me, because I need it, like bad. Um, (laughs) I have this feeling. I'm, I'm thinking back on this now, and I should have looked this up. I should have really tried to cite it. I have this feeling that during one of the, it was like one of the early interviews they did with him. Was it on one of the, 
I don't know if it was one of the 12-hour broadcasts or something. I remember watching him and he showed up in the hat and he yeah. had the helmet on. But it did sound like something that was kind of a possibly trolly Mimi comment mm. where he was like, oh yeah, ha ha ha, it's all canon. And I don't know if like that's it or if it was like some kind of vague thing. And like I said, I don't have the citation here, but it is funny that so many people have been so divided on yeah. this because I have a weird memory of it too. But I also know that well, see, as a creator, he's kind of ambiguous about this sort of stuff, right? Like, it's not like everything he always says. Well, and, and that's is that's the answer. That is 100%. That's the answer, right? Is it canon? Is it not canon? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's canon. <laughs> that's the answer. There it is. I think the, um, answer, the answer is really that it doesn't terribly matter all that much because all of his games are interconnected but by this loose conspiracy string of alternate universes and possibilities and secret endings and novel metaverses content. are so hot right now everybody's got a metaverse <laughs> we're all go we're all going the marvel route right now mm -hmm. right i mean D okay. dc's got a, a metaverse marvel's got a metaverse there used to be a metaverse war back in the day i mean yeah. there's, this there's is like everybody's got a metaverse this is like Schrodinger's metaverse right here, where Yoko Taro may or may not have said it in yeah. some dimension, and it's possible that it is or isn't canon. So that's kind of where I'm we're looking, at. I'm willing to go that route with it. All yeah. it takes is one magic user to somehow make an interdimensional portal, and anything can be canon with whatever. I do have to agree with Moose on this, though, in that I don't really know if, like you said, if it matters. Like, saying that it's canonical... I guess maybe gives it more overall, I don't know, clout within the universe. But at the right. same time, I really don't think so because it's still an adventure that we had to take. It is still a story we had to play. Whether or not it's canonical in the actual lineup of the entire game series doesn't matter unless in the next game he releases, the entire preamble is like a screen pops up and it says, go play the 24-man raids in Final Fantasy <laughs> to understand where this game begins. Like, otherwise it doesn't actually matter right. because this was a piece of media that we hadn't consumed and whether or not it's canonical does not actually like impact any larger scale story so, or narrative that we are currently going so through. Here's, so like, here's, here's a question, right? Canon mm -hmm. aside, do, do you guys feel like it would be appropriate for a series coming in? So like... It's a collaboration, right? But go. this is <laughs> it's it's near in Final Fantasy. Okay, it's like you know, well, I forget which one they there was like a Street Fighter Tekken crossover. I can't remember if it was Street Fighter and a Tekken or Tekken and a Street Fighter. They were they announced both. They only put out one, but it's like yeah. it's it's like do you make like in this case, right? Near in Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is like the base that is the host for this event. Mm -hmm. Do you make this collaboration, this thing coming in, canon with that series? Because not everybody has played it. It may not make sense to people. Or is that oh, is is that an okay thing to do? I'm just I'm just opinions. I'm just I'm curious sure. what. I, the first thing that that struck me when you said host was I know what what you meant by it, but it sounded like a host for a parasite, which is funny with the way that I know how you feel about this. Oh my! I know God. that's not what you meant, but that's just what struck me. Wow. <laughs> I don't even right. have an answer to it. That just <laughs> So the question I mean, like are you are you asking if it's appropriate for mm -hmm. let's say Do you do you well, feel like it's okay for for near to be canon when this is Final Fantasy 14? To whom? Like to to the rest of to, the Yoko to Taro the final to, to the to the Final Fantasy player base. Yes. 
Okay. Technically, because like, <laughs> even if even if they don't state it, almost everything that comes into this game is rebuilt for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some people make that more obvious than others. Like Matsuno-san made his very clear by inverting the entire timeline. <laughs> it can't be the other Evilies because it's backwards. It's upside down. But mm-hmm. there are still people, there were still enough people saying that it was canon to the Ivalice Alliance that Matsuna-san himself had to come out on Twitter and be like, it's not, you dolts. And like, yeah. <laughs> he just like yelled at people. And so I do think it's fair to assume that it's been rebuilt inside of 14, canon to 14. I think it's less fair to assume that it's automatically canon to the Yokotaro verse without him saying mm. so because the 14 universe is so isolated outside of like the fun time crossover events the in-character greeting cards from the dev team that kind of stuff like usually Yoshida sees this place as isolated so I do think it would be fair to see it as canon to 14 but not to near unless he explicitly said so I love yeah. this. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's really the thing, right? I don't, like I was saying, I don't think it matters if it is canonical large scale, at least from a Final Fantasy 14 player. It doesn't matter if it's canonical large scale right now in Yokotaro's universe. But for us as 14 players, like you said, almost everything else that we have in this game, even a lot of just one-time collab events right. are integrated into a way that is canonical to the lore. Now, like mm-hmm. with this raid set, yes, they did kind of purposefully, I think, set it in a remote area and kind of away from a lot of stuff. And I mean, it's funny because we've talked about this before and I'm sure we'll talk about this later. I really do almost feel as though they could have more directly involved it with all the elegant stuff and all sorts of things that we have if they had chosen to more directly in the story. But Mm. again, does it mean that it's not canonical because of where it is? No. And like the same thing goes into this debate that we've seen, I think, with like male Vieira or all these different things where it's like Mm -hmm. when lore comes into 14 or a collaboration or an influence comes into 14, one of the things that is so great about this game is that they do work to try to make it in some way cohesive to the universe. And like sometimes I think it maybe is a little more convincing than others. Like you said, the Ivalice raid is like really embedded in a lot of stuff that we've had, and now it's an ongoing story with Boja and Dadnor and all these things. Whereas the near one again, I feel like is gonna be more maybe isolated. I don't know, maybe they'll totally mm-hmm. surprise us. Who knows? But like it is something they try to do, and I think it's one of the things that makes the game so interesting because so many other games will just be like, I don't know, here's like a weird event, has nothing to do with anything, and you could turn into a cow. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I Wait, what if, what event was this? <laughs> well, I actually... Rook, I, Rook's brain! No. She's just like, okay, come up with random ass event. Uh, turn into a cow move! I want... I'm sorry. I don't... This is appropriate. The thing is, is that I was thinking about a fantasy star collab mm-hmm. item yep. that made it in. And that item was not appropriate to talk about on this podcast because fantasy star is a spicy world. Mm-hmm. And so instead, <laughs> I changed it to a collaboration with the Moo Cow. And I will leave that to anybody else to figure out what you want. If you want to go explore, you. go for it. But some things I'm have happened in Fantasy Star. <laughs> That's the Diablo wow. crossover. It's the cow level. It'll be in 14. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Where's, where's that, that Gogurt yeah. collab? Sure, 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 that, sure. that Gogurt sure, yeah. food item that increases our XP gains by an extra 1%. Um, I feel talking like about... I failed in failed in my mission to make sense of Yokotaro <laughs> so hard that the rest of this podcast no longer makes sense. Like it's all derailed. It's all derailed. Like all derailed. But at the same time, it's canon. <laughs> it is. We still have um, Zadnor. We can bring it back. Yeah, we'll bring it back. Real, just, real quick. The, yeah. 
Uh, I do want to mention, we talked, we mentioned Nilviera um, a little bit. I do want to mention, too, before I forget, um, we did have a new Q&A drop with uh, Yoshida-san earlier this week. Make sure to go check that out, uh, GamerEscape.com. He talks about Nilviera. He talks about uh, Sage, Reaper, uh, Data Center Travel, and Collector's Editions. Uh, TLDR, they're not making any more Friend Walker. I'm sorry if you didn't get one. Um, but that interview is up over on the site, so make sure they you go. They did try, uh, though. It's just not out. They did try. They did try. Manufacturing is a little nuts right now. They uh, always try. Yes. Yeah. Go, go, go check that out uh, if, if you haven't. Okay, back to Nier. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the story actually starts in 5.0. There's a um, there's like a side quest that branches off towards the direction of Komra for the first time. And that happens a whole patch before Nier even shows up in the base game. You meet the two dwarves. They turn you into a like a patsy sucker who goes out and gets a machine core for them. Um, well, I don't know that they turn you it, into one. I feel like you already are one, right? They identi- <laughs> technically, they identify you as one habitually throughout the story. Um, there's I, I, There was one quote that really got me. They identify you by like your quiet confidence and sculpted neck muscles from years of nodding. Like they're like it's him, like the nodder. So they, they do. They they more identify you than turn you into one. Um, this is very important because this is all canonical warrior of light lore. So yeah. this I'm is just like, like imagining. I'm imagining the dwarves talking like the aliens from Toy Story. They see us. They're like, behold the great nodder. Oh, like. <laughs> it's. I feel like that's definitely what's what's going on when our reputation is in play in a lot of places, because you see it like embedded into like not to go off on a tangent, but like we see it embedded into other parts of the story too. If you like look closely, I think my favorite example is when Rowena wants to help the orphanage, but like donating to charity would diminish her like standing as a heartless mm-hmm. bitch who like takes advantage of everything. So instead, she orchestrates you to stumble upon the orphanage because there's no way you'll just let it go. Like that's the kind of stuff I love that they this, this woman is is eating there. nothing but like pineapple and like pineapple pudding. You gotta help her. Yeah. Yes. So I I love Warrior <laughs> like the sucker stories, and that's how mm-hmm. this one starts. The that you get suckered into going out to this whole drama with a machine graveyard they found. There's a dig site that they're protecting, and it's shenanigans from the start. Like, there are people stealing stuff from the dig site that you find. There's, like, three brothers who are, like, um, being guards for it, but, like, taking turns picking stuff out. Like, one will guard it while the other two rob it. And so it's shenanigans from the start. You stop the brothers from stealing stuff, you get the key from them conveniently, and you take it for yourself, and you get the twins, and you break into the machine graveyard. Um, so when you first get in there, you find uh, 2P being mauled by like the little robot stubbies. They just got like a little bubble up, she's asleep, and that's all that's going, like they're all just kind of wailing on her. Um, and she just wakes up and she's like, oh, yeah, we've we've got to go to the heart of the machine ruins because that's the only way we're going to stop the machine life forms. So there's your mission right there, right from the start. You uh, and, get into and a machine us, graveyard. The, the great, the great yeah. nodder. We're just like, sure, sounds good. Let's go. So the whole setup, the whole inciting incident is just there's an android in white laying on the ground getting beaten up by a bunch of stubbies and you decide... I just dropped half of my stuff. You decide that you're going to... Uh, Go to the heart of the ruins to stop the machine life forms. I don't even tell you what that means. That's your mission. So that's where it all starts. 
Any it already makes more so sense. Far? Does it make more sense? Yes, it already makes I mean, more I, sense. I mean, I, I kind of understood that that happened. I, I just, all right. You're doing good. Like, You're doing good, but you haven't no, I mean, quite turned me on this yet. You are doing well, great. We're not. We're not even in the first raid yet, so that's yeah. Good sign. Okay. <laughs> you are doing great. Um, one thing that I think is really, I mean, again, fusion. I'm thinking about what you said almost, which is the idea here that I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks, as far as lore and understanding goes, is that there are these like two things, right? On one hand, we have the actual things that you are describing that happened in the game, and I think can most of the players be like. Yeah, you walk up to a robot that's being attacked and she like, we gotta go stop bad stuff. And you go, I understand that. I do that all the time in this game. So you go and you do it. Yes. But when it comes to like players that haven't played near things, machine life forms, like these terms that get thrown around, you know, it, it's one of those things where as we go on more, I'm sure will become clear to everybody. I know the context of this and we can talk more about this, but it's mm -hmm. interesting because like, I don't really know if by the end of all of this, they actually truly explain to players that haven't played that franchise in a way that they would understand what the machine life forms even are, why, like how they exist. They're, like, they're, what they're, they're robots. One, one line. Yeah. One line yeah. Bluntly in one line. She's just like, oh, it's this. And they're like, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like one of the, one of the twins is just straight up like, I'm sorry, alien what? You know what? It's not important. Like, so it's it's one line and it's very blunt, but they just move on from it. You just take it from take it for granted. It's just so weird to me, though, because like the machine life forms and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I have only played near automata um, and I've seen most of two and a half playthroughs. I've, I've seen all of two and a half playthroughs. I haven't seen all of the like third one um, with like the repeats and all that stuff. Mm. So. Machine life forms, correct? They were aliens that came to Earth in the, in, well, the Earth, you know, equivalent in yeah. the Yokotar universe that then, like, multiplied at great rates and basically forced all humankind into a long-term extinction, correct? This and although we the think... The humans were already dead. Oh, they were dead yeah. by the time they got there? Oh, yeah. What, by when the machine life forms got there? I thought the machine life forms were the ones that killed them. Nope. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we're uh, off to a great I'm start. Gonna, we're, we're, be, everything gonna is. Be, I'm going to be spoiling like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you have, if you have like any ambition to be surprised by replicant or automata in any yeah. way, uh, run. Cause that's right. Yeah, Drakengard. Okay. Drakengard BS killed the humans. Chat says that's Drakengard right. I watched. Stuff I watched a YouTube video <laughs> and I vaguely remember that. Okay. Yep. The way so... the way all of this happens is okay. You got your Drakengard ending where the dragon like crosses over the portal through the glowing sphere and ends up like over Tokyo and then like the Tokyo self defense forces like shoot down the dragon. You cut to. Did you, did you know that happened? Is that something you know? No, but I did know that made magic apparently comes from something in the ending of Drakengard. So if you can find a place to put that in there as well, please, that'd be great. Drakengard's ending, uh, like it's it's a medieval world. It's about mm. like an empire. There's gods, goddesses, seals, all this other kind of stuff. And it's about the end of the world. And there's like these, these white spheres that have something to do with that, which is a foreshadow. We're going to come back to that. Mm -hmm. And... In the ending, one of the endings, 
it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a joke ending. That it's getting more and more Evangelion until it just, you go through some portal, end up over Tokyo, where a fighter jet shoots down the dragon, the boss disintegrates into this white powder, and it's over. Um, they go full, like, except, Neon Genesis Hildebrand. Except it's not over, because when you're playing um, uh, near one for the first time, Gestalt or Replicant, whichever one you had, you go into the forest and it tells you the story about the end of the world. Um, and it involves the appearance of a red dragon. And you're like, oh my god, these are connected. But not like really connected, just by conspiracy string, right? It doesn't have to be a red dragon that turned into anthrax and like the uh -huh. whole world got sick. It doesn't have to be that. It, it could have been anything. Like any plot device would have done. But they chose to connect them in that way. So that leads to near one. And they can't solve the issue of, of everybody getting sick in the way they are. It's a supernatural disease that's come from the decaying bodies of the red dragon and the goddess thing. Um, it's in the chat. Yeah. To be fair, the giant lady turned into anthrax, not the dragon. This is true. That, okay. it's, we should, we should okay. clarify this. This is all so, very important. And, 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 and real quick, too, I, I, do, I do want to mention that there, there was that that bug uh, at the end of that first raid where just a random ass red dragon appeared at the end. That's um, going to, yeah. that's going to be one of the reasons that I like when I, as, as I go along, I'm going to pinpoint the places that I think some stuff started to go sideways. Mm. And I think mm. that was a big one. Okay. Um, okay. So it, when everybody started getting sick, the way they came up with like the way to solve it is, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to split everyone's soul from their body. And body. Yep. We're going to split everyone's Piece soul of from cake. their body. And we're going to keep the souls over here, and the bodies are just going to keep kind of cloning and recycling. And then, you know, once we solve this and everything's good, we'll bring them back together. And in <laughs> Replicant Gestalt, you, you play one of the, the one of the clones. Big spoiler. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it turns out that this whole plan has gone awry. And the souls are, like, corrupting and attacking the clones. The clones are developing self-awareness and attacking the spirits. Everything. Wait, 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 apart. wait. So near Replicant Gestalt is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> okay. Sure. So here. Okay. All right. Are we. Are the. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm getting there. My brain is slowly coming together. You can do it's it. Making so. Are we yet at the point where, like, are these clones, like, the artificial android bodies that we, like, see? Or are they, like, actually physical people? Is this, like, machine life forms haven't even touched base yet? We are still in the Shadow of Drakengard? We are still in the Shadow of Drakengard. Yeah, no Aliens are not here yet. Okay. Uh, androids were developed as part, like, the first androids were developed as part of the system that maintains the project that keeps the souls separated until it's time to bring them back together. They were overseeing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I could just that see Rook's, like, the gears. Yeah, well, I, I could see the, I, I'm, like, pacing myself based <laughs> on watching the video of the gears moving. Um, so, yeah, two of the androids that were watching over this project were Devola and Popola, which is going to be one of the big things that comes back around thematically. <laughs> Wait! Yeah. Okay. No, okay. Yeah. Go on. If you if you played Replicant, <laughs> if you played Replicant when you walked into the camp in Automata and the twins were sitting there, it was just like 
Like <laughs> it was big. Like it's it's a shame that a lot of people played it backwards. It is. Yeah. Um, because Automata had a lot of powerful moments that are just if you don't have any foundation for them, it's not there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, sounds, it sounds familiar. I've watched, a couple people, I've watched a couple people say that if you go back and you play Replicant after Automata, that it, it's a little similar in reverse. You get to see kind of the prequel version of it, and it's still pretty powerful in a different way. I can't mm. say I haven't done it that way. Um, anyway, too far off track. Your events or your choices in Replicant destroy the project that was supposed to reintegrate human bodies and souls and humanity goes extinct. Oops. That's a big goof you did. That's bad. That's real bad. Yeah. That's like a real big mess up. That's, that's, so, the, like, that's the end of humanity. Like That's a pretty big whoopsie to explain, for someone to, to do. Yeah. <laughs> to explain where Yokotaro's head was at when he did this, he was, when he made the original Dragon Guard, he was musing on the idea that like human, or um, Video games treat humans in a way like you just go out and you kill a bunch of people and that's your high score. And he was like, what kind of sociopath, like what horrible kind of psycho person would do this? So the lead character of the game was just a dude who liked murdering people. Like he loved being a soldier for the empire. He loved killing people. So like that was where he was coming from with Drakengard. And it was just a whole bunch of insanity musing on how much the world sucks. But then after 9-11, he started musing on, wow, you don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be a psycho. You just have to think you're right. So all of, um, uh, um, sorry, um, near one was this idea that you can think you're doing right while you're doing horrible, awful things. And the game slowly draws this out and feeds it to you more and more throughout the game until like on plays playthrough B and C, you're just like, oh, come on. Like all of the times you spent going, but why? You don't like any of those answers. Um, so that's how humanity goes extinct. We get endings from that. We get stage plays, novellas, CD yeah. audio dramas. Those all connect near one and two. One is an audio drama where Emil is like a head. He's just a head now. Okay. And he okay. comes into contact with an alien. There's a misunderstanding and then there's a war. And that's that's the start mm. of the great that, machine. That old thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so then this myth, if you will, about like... This is okay. This is actually all really interesting, and I'm super glad we got into right. this before we actually discuss the entire right. arc I think here. It's a good idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think this is all actually pretty crucial. You're right. Like the snippet that I got from just playing Near Automata, which in its own right is actually a pretty fascinating experience hearing the full spectrum of things, because it's almost like if you haven't played the rest of the franchise, you are almost an entity that is freshly living this. So you yourself buy into this myth that what caused this destruction wasn't like your own people or like these other ideals, but rather, you know, yes, this hostile force, this thing that caused these problems. And it's interesting because like, from the perspective that I had been looking at it, the idea that these machine life forms, um, you know, the context that I just had was that they had come, they had sort of pushed humanity to extinction, and then they had taken over the earth and that mostly what was left were, you know, the automata and then these creatures and that over time these entities these you know robotic robots 
these these two guys yeah sure these robotic dude guys um ended up kind of i mean evolving in this way that they themselves began to mimic the patterns of life that had once been on the planet and then also same kind of deal develop sentience and shenanigans and all this stuff right so it's interesting to hear this larger scale idea because again i think there's a lot of themes here and this is something that i talked about previously even with the snippet that i had with Yulemore that tie very much into this, like these ideas of people who are doing things they think for the right reason, who are being misled by ideas of grandeur or mythology or, you know, these other sort of things that get built up over time to justify certain actions. Like all of those things resonate very much for me with this. Do the dwarves? No, no. <laughs> but at the same time, they could have done an interesting angle here because it, with the dwarves almost being they classify as a beast tribe in this world, right? But mm-hmm. we know that in our world, they are sentient. Uh, I mean, they're sentient in both worlds, but we know yeah, that in right. our world, they are like considered to be one of the races and the peoples and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I think there's a lot of really interesting things they could have done here with this idea of sentience, the soul, all these like themes that you see a lot of times in Yoko Taro's work that in the perspective of a group of people who are considered by this world to be outsiders or different, but that we know in our own world are actually just people i mean they're people Mm. no matter what whether you're a tribe or not you know it's like it's very interesting and yet again from this first meeting of his machine life forms and you found a robot do i think you get anything that actually sets any of this up no but let's continue and we can talk Uh, more as we continue through it Really quick, I find it interesting that uh because I don't know I don't know crap about Mir or Dragon Guard or anything. Um I think it's interesting that there is actually a point in that storyline where there are souls and bodies that are separate. And, oh, we had that in the storyline. Why didn't they touch on that at all? That could have been a very yeah. interesting. No, you don't want to weave it exactly. too, too much into, into canon. We, we still need it to be on the first and its own thing so we can easily forget about it. Um, I'm going to say this over and over and over when it comes to Yoko Taro's stuff. Every game in a vacuum makes perfect sense. It's pretty simple. It's when you start trying to understand all of the crazy ways they interconnect. Just like if you click, like, there's this old joke that if you click the first word that's not in parentheses on every Wikipedia article, you're eventually going to end up back at philosophy. That's Yoko Taro. You can try to understand all of these concepts if you want, but you're always going to end up back at the flower, the watchers, the gods. And it's not going to make any sense because those are your MacGuffins. But like in a vacuum, every game is pretty simple and makes perfect sense. So that's where I would stress that this story is much the same. Uh, you know, and, and I think right from my perspective, right, because we, we've, 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 t- we've hit like, what, two bullet points in Dark Apocalypse so far. <laughs> um, here we are again, 30 minutes in, two bullet points. Um, hey, I think this was really important, though, because all no, of this lays abs- the groundwork. Absolutely. For... <laughs> and and I think I think part of the issue, right, that I'm struggling with with this story, right, is up to this point, it's like, OK, I'm a robot and these are also kind of robots, but we got to stop them. OK, like self-contained. I understand yep. what's going on, but me the like in in game me me the warrior of light slash darkness. I I get it. Okay, robots bad. Let's go. Me the player, but these are from near. So how does that work? And I think that's where part of that problem is. Is is you want to know understand more of the near part of it, but it's also like in world kind of understandable. But it's I well, think that's. Who- 
as someone who knew a lot about Nier, I can tell you that it didn't help me all that much with this particular story. Because some of mm -hmm. what, like, if you think you know something about something because you played Automata, you might, but it might be backwards here. Like, it mm -hmm. doesn't, like, there are a couple things that go awry of what you think you know if you're going by your Automata knowledge. Yeah, like, you you expect to be able to use that knowledge, right, to help gain this greater understanding, but maybe that's not necessarily possible. It's maybe familiar, but story... not valuable. Yeah. Maybe that's why the story didn't bother me as much as it seems to bother other people, because I have no knowledge, and I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that's a robot from someplace else. Cool. Yep. Aliens made robots. Androids are fighting them. That's the story you get. That's it. Are we ready to, are we ready to move on? Yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's yeah. do it. Third yeah. bullet point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You go into the copied factory. It's allegedly these ancient ruins where the machines were being built after they came into this world. Um, but as... Wait, what? I, I see a raised hand. I, raised <laughs> I, like, I have a question. Is the copied factory where they used to make clones? Is that why it's called the copied factory? <laughs> as far <laughs> as I know, it's just where they were making machine life. Forms. Okay, all right. I don't think Continue. we've about here yet. Okay. Um, so in the main in the main factory, 9S attacks 2P. And the big question is, why? Aren't they supposed to be friends, kind of? Um, so that's your, your big question. Uh, 2P claims that more androids may be coming, and then she breaks down and tells them, like, as she's falling apart and, like, her mind's shutting down, find the key, because that's going to restore something. <laughs> so she falls apart. They decide, they have a decision to make. Do we go and get the key, or do we kind of go slow and figure out everything that's going on first? And this is the choice that the game offers you between Anog and Konog. The quest is exactly the same regarded, like regardless of what you pick. It's the words that are chosen to describe what you've done. So if you choose Anog, you're recklessly running through the ruins. You don't have anything to worry about because you know you can teleport back to the entrance if things go crazy. You're just recklessly combing through everything because you want to wake up 2P. If you go the Konog route, it's the exact same thing. You're exploring the exact same thing. You're picking up the exact same stuff, but it's framed as like, we're going to go slow. We're going to think about it. We, you know, like, oh, good. We can keep going forward because we can teleport back to the entrance with these. But it's the same quest. Um, inside, you find some damaged parts and 9S. So this compromise between them is kind of like Anog's rushing ahead and being reckless, but also she's going to keep 9S around and she's not going to tell 2P about him. So we've got options about what's going on here. We still good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay. I mean, one thing that did, this is just sort of an interesting thing, right? Um, I actually hadn't thought about this until we were kind of going through it, is... A thing that I really enjoy from Yokotaro's work that I've seen, although obviously like the larger context of the full spectrum of everything that he does uh, is something that I'm still learning about. But the visual symbolism, I think, is something that's really, gosh, it's just so good. It's just like so good, the visuals that he does. And one of the things that both with the actual Enog and Konog, but then also that we see with, you know, 2B2P, this idea of like black and white and like these very clear cut visual imageries that again are like one side or the other this thing or this thing and we see that again like throughout all the rest of this quest right you know what choice do we make and the idea of there being a gray area and or that being represented is not something that we necessarily see and 
And I love that that is kind of worked into all of this. And yet it also kind of plays off of the fact that a lot of times these figures are identical, you know, like twins. They are the same people. They are, you know, we've got 2P2B. There's barely a change in the names. They basically look the same, but with inverted color schemes. And this idea that there's such a fine line that separates us from one choice or the other, one side or the other, even if we ourselves create this belief that our, our worlds are wildly different or that we are constantly in opposition to one another. So as you were describing this, I don't know, it just, it just struck me I, that that mm. in particular is something that I do really like about how they set this up even visually before we actually get any tangible lore or anything that makes sense Yeah, but all. before we take another step here too, uh, to, to quote one of our characters' uh, dialogue options here, oh yeah, the corpse room, that was a thing. Um... What did, did we ever really get any idea of, of why that was? Or was that just kind of like a, a nod to to near that maybe some people would get? The corpse room, like, if I'm remembering right, is that like it, when you go back to the when you go back to the copied factory and it's just yeah. all the two B bodies? Yeah, because I think you get one of the items in there when you're exploring, if I remember do, yeah. right. I think it's a room yeah. that unlocks when you go in for the exploration. It isn't there yeah. when you're in the raid. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I mean, you also go back there for like, partly it's a narrative excuse. Like you go back there to get parts for 2P. Like they have to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also you have like the copied factory was a place where if like, if you read the little notes along the way, the machines were building the things that were building the machines. But with the idea that they were going to be like, in the background, there's this idea that the machines are always evolving. They're always evolving. Their war drives this evolution. In Automata, you find that that's the point. Something's actually controlling this and trying to use the war to force them to evolve to a point that they can break free of the orders that they have. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> of the facial just, reactions? No, well, it's because there's a moment that I think is so, that like really hit me from that playthrough of Automata, right? Because you play through the whole like first bit and you believe that they are the enemy and that, you know, there's this war that's continually going on and you're killing them. And like you said, like this perspective, um, larger scale of like in games, again, subverting the tropes of games. Uh, if we just kill everything in a game, are we are, like, why would you ever think that's a heroic thing to do? And one of the moments from Automata that stands out to me is that moment where you swap to the machine and you are trying to bring over to your brother. Is it like a pale or, um, I, died inside and i've never been okay since then i don't think um but <laughs> it's for anybody who doesn't know it's this incredible subversion where like you go from just mercilessly killing these things and thinking that you're doing the right thing to becoming one of them and there is like you know um this other machine life form that's kind of broken down on like on like a junk heap across the way and you have no mechanics your only mechanic is that you're very clumsy and adorable and you have to walk your way over and try to bring them help and like the whole time you're talking about like your brother and there's this it's like oh there's just like this incredible humanity to it right because it's such a simple mundane thing and yet it like resonates and the idea that like these life forms evolve and that life as a whole evolves and people evolve is phenomenal. And I mean, even gosh, with like Shadowbringers things, we're thinking about that light and dark, white and black um, misconceptions or the evolution of life. I, I think all these themes are there. They tie in uh, and we even, you know, kind of see some of this interplay. I would have loved to see more, though, with the actual machine life forms 
in in this particular setting because we get a lot with the androids but i don't really think we get as much of that same sense from the life form like you know what i mean that complexity to them in this narrative there's a little bit of it in the background but you have to actually like look for it like um I was going to go like towards what Fusion was saying, where we find like both machines and androids and like the corpse room and stuff like that. It becomes clear that like the factory was at one point kind of a battlefield. The androids were coming in and trying to destroy it. The machines were trying to defend themselves. But at the same time, the narrative is that the machines want to destroy everything. So you got to go to where they're being made. But if you like read the little things along the way, um, the machines are a self-evolving network with the sole function kill enemy. So they don't really have a choice of what they're doing, but at the same time they're evolving. And as they start to evolve, they start skipping work and doing things just to do them. Mm-hmm. And one of the machines is me saying like, is this what humans call fun? So like they stop work to watch testing things to, you know, fish around in deleted data for no reason. Um, and you find also kind of remnants of the Yorha units who are just like, this is the middle of nowhere. This place is weird. Like, I'd rather be here than on the front lines. But like you do, you see that same parallel between like they have directives that they're following. They're not entirely happy about it. They're evolving in unexpected ways. Okay. You know what, That's Anonymous? You have made, you have, you've done it at least a little bit for me. A little bit. You have made me like it a, a step further. We're getting there. We're getting because there. Because one of, one of the yeah. dissonances for me was I don't understand what purpose these logs serve, right? Like, I'll be real. Like, when you go in that first time. And I mean, that's not to say that they have to serve a necessary purpose. They can just be snippets that give you, like, a greater sense. And you're right, we get some information about how the androids were scouting and, like, those more practical actions. But... With that question I just posed, I wish we had gotten more of the nuance between the life forms and the androids and what that means in a greater context. And then the answer that you gave about the logs specifically, that's where they did it. And like, I can see it now and I'm like, okay, I like that bit a little bit better than I did 30 minutes ago. (laughs) I think one of the arguments I'm gonna make is that a lot of this ends up being flavor that it's that we are expecting the story to be about the machines and the androids and it's not the story is about anog and konog and we don't know that until it's too late yeah 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 and it doesn't feel like again like it's totally cohesively told if they were going to be the focus specifically right and that maybe they should tie into that larger narrative in a sense right because if we're discussing the greater themes of like, what is life and what do we count as valued life or life that is, you know, on the same level as others or, you know, whatever it is, uh, communities and how we bring other people into communities and, and what creates those separations or distances. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into with all of this, but like, it would have been nice to see some of that groundwork with this idea that like, oh, the machines, oh, the androids, oh, people, they're all kind of the same. And then to get that reveal, like with Anna Konog, and down the road get something where they actually review those logs. And like they themselves would be saying something about like how they had believed themselves to be organic, but they are synthetic. And yet, does it matter? Does it, like I, I would have, oh, I would have loved if they'd done something like that because then I think it would have been a great bigger context. So are we, are we ready for the next point? Did we do it? I yes. think we're good. I think we're good. Right. Yep. Okay. So where we where we left off is we we found the key. We got a pod. We fixed two P. We wake her up. This was delayed a little bit by Kamra throwing a carnival. They're throwing this like big celebration. Uh, you wake up 2P with the pod. 
She immediately uses the key you went to find, and a whole bunch of androids show up and bomb the hell out of the carnival. And you run outside, and it's just fire and chaos, and everything's blowing up, and 2P turns on you. She's actually with the androids she called in to blow everything up. And just as she's about to kill Anog and Konog, like, 2B arrives and fights her off. And we find that the black, the androids in black really are fighting the androids in white. So that's where we get to the bunker. Because 2B is going to pursue the androids in white back to where they came from. Um, this is where things start getting kind of a little more f distant from the Yorha that we know. Because what it comes down to is 2B believes that the androids in white were made by the machines to fight them. So the machines have figured out how to replicate their enemy and fight them, like fight fire with fire, fight androids with androids. Do you think um, they went this route a little bit to echo the whole Shadowbringers? Like, you thought that light was good, but it's not. It's really not. You're going to have to follow the dark one It over does kind of feel like that. And they, they got me good, yeah. man. I bought the last 2P figure from PAX West. Cause I was like, "Hey, like she's in the key yard. This is this is a, this is technically a fourteen figure now." And they're like, "JK, she's the bad one." Oh, yeah. all right. I mean, people still get lots of figures of the bad guys. I mean, that works. Zenos, Zenos was in the collector's edition. I mean, he was in he was in the collector's edition. I would have bought it. But is he going to be the bad guy? Yeah. Though, 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 though to be fair, when when that collector's edition came out, we didn't know that he would become the the super uninteresting villain that he is today. So I mean, I'm still holding out. I'm holding out. I'm making room in my besties list in case he does a 180 and they make me like him somehow. I believe they in Ishikawa. Ishikawa can yeah, turn this can character that I, I hate into one that I love. All I feel of like this... we need shirts. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, I have a siren going by, so give me just one second. <laughs> the machine life forms are coming. <laughs> <laughs> the siren is like, uh-oh, Xenostan, watch out. Uh, so, I just wanted to say one thing about this before we move on to the next bit. I hate this whole sequence. <laughs> I just, I, I'm going to be real about this one. And I'm going to try to break it down. And I'm curious to hear what everybody else thinks. <sighs> on one hand, I think it is very Yoko Taro. In the sense that there are oftentimes moments of great joy or lightheartedness or silliness or... Um, these like, you know, great celebrations or, or happinesses that then he does this very purposeful thing that he will hard contrast with, right? So it's like, here we have this party. I'm mostly referring to the party sequence. Here we have this party and it's like, happy dwarves everywhere, happy party. And then it's like World War Seven, And there's like, you know, fire raining down from above, all this stuff. Like, it is very much within the overall aesthetic. And I think those sort of contrasting things are very much, again, experiential for humanity, right? Like we have these great moments of joy, but we also commit these terrible, terrible things, these terrible, you know, wars and crimes and, and all this stuff, right? So I think it works from that point. I just did not, I, I don't know if it's because so much of the rest of this quest and the action that happens is off in that, like, unknown, strange, massive landscape somewhere in the mountains. And then you have, like, here 
in the actual map, it's like, oh, but then like an entire fleet of robots comes. And when I got out of that sequence, I felt like this place should be a crater. Like there should be no one alive. What do you mean they are still? What do you mean there's a single building standing? Like, just based off of what we got in that cutscene, and then like the aftermath, it was so, it just felt so weird to me. And I, I appreciate that they did some instant stuff, but like, I don't know. And I don't know how everybody else feels about it and how that was like received for you, or how you felt that it did or didn't make sense. I, I just didn't feel like it worked very well to me for some reason i think i think personally for me, me it didn't bother me that like that much um but the the reaction from the people did like mm. how do you how do you jump from oh god this thing over here attacked us to it's specifically your fault and we hate you and we'll probably kill you now right like, what mm -hmm. yeah i think I the part of the story i'll come back around to it but yeah 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 definitely i, I think up. the the one, the, the one thing for me, right, going into this, right, I was always a little like, I don't know about this collab. But, like, from my, you know, I've, I've, I've played probably the first three hours of Automata, like, several times. I've really tried to play it. I just, I can't get into it. But one of those areas that I, you know, obviously have gotten to, right, in those playthroughs is the amusement park, right? So, this, you know, and if you've listened to previous shows, right, it's like, oh, man, I hope we get, like, an amusement park, right? That'd be so cool. The music would be right. so cool. And, and we do get that music, but it's just like, they're throwing a little little dwarf carnival, and then it got bombed, and that's it. And it's like, oh, all right. So, like, this this whole sequence for me is just like, so we're not getting that amusement park, right? Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a pretty big carnival for a dwarf, right? Well. <laughs> what ill? They should have they just made a raid that's a roller coaster that just goes around all of Kalusia. Right. I, That's fine. You joke, but I want that golden saucer attraction, the, the roller coaster shooter. I want that. Please. It'd be fun. Right. It'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I I guess overall, I understand. I think what this beat it was trying to achieve, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, right. At least in my own personal interpretation. Mm -hmm. But for me, again, it kind of felt like a just a strange thing that could have been integrated more on the scale that mm -hmm. it was. I mean. I almost would have liked to have seen representatives from the other clan of dwarves, you know, be like, what happened? Are you okay? And then there could be some other kind of large scale discussion about like those two communities, which is a whole other thing because they're yeah. so otherwise kept separate or like. But they're, like they're kind of either. rivals and I, they're, they're yeah. rival. They have a rivalry though. So I don't know that they would necessarily well, wouldn't care. Wouldn't that work even better in the context? Because we get like the idea of communities that like, are at odds with each other and we get the idea of like i mean they could have even denied them help which would have been interesting or I mean, like i i imagine these other door tribes just like sitting there in lawn chairs with some like mugs of ale just watching as like <laughs> calmra gets bombed They're like this is for, some good stuff all right for how petty they are like one of the first things you hear is like the how dare they hypothetically accuse us was one of the mm -hmm. like He's like, they would try to pin it on us. How dare they hypothetically accuse us? Like, that kind of pettiness leads me to believe that they would be like, oh, something bad happened to them. Well, I wonder what they did to deserve that, because they did. Right. Like, that's, I can imagine mm -hmm. that they being the least... whole reaction that they, they right. <laughs> Can you imagine how good that scene would have been if, like, somebody was over there and they were like, oh, I wonder what you did to deserve it. And then the community was like, we didn't deserve this. 
Right. Well, it wouldn't be. It was us. that one. And then they turn and look exactly, mm -hmm. and they're like, mm -hmm. "It was them." And then you get like this split. I I guess to me this this beat this bit, and especially like with the context of I guess just how the larger zone would be affected, it just felt a little bit odd. And it's another spot where I think having more actual tie-in to like the lore of the area to like supplement the themes of the moment mm -hmm. to. To me, that would have, I think, just brought things together in a different sense. I mean, they could have even just had them not bomb the whole place, but, like, come in and just start, like, tearing stuff down and killing people. And, like, that might have even felt a little bit, I don't know, like, it worked more for me. But it's, I think it's just an over-the-top kind of visual thing that is meant to punctuate the narrative. Um, overall, though, I just felt like there were some beats or, or moments that could have been fleshed out more, personally. That's just my personal opinion, though. I think I think a lot of that uh, makes sense, especially uh, in the context of what you guys have been talking about. Um, Yoko Taro trying to put on display how terrible humanity is and uh, why they would randomly kill people and stuff. So having the uh, the dwarves turn on on yeah. the two and sort of be like, it's your fault. It makes sense. It just and that's, that sort of scene where people are unreasonable just infuriates me. <laughs> and that and that <laughs> they they do come back to that kind of idea too towards the end, mm -hmm. and, and we'll make sure to. Yeah, we'll, we'll to touch that. on that again. Like, are we? Do we feel like we're comfortable with the plot points yeah, so I think, far? I think we're we're doing good. We're we're okay. almost halfway through. So, to be chase to be chases the white clad androids into the crater they came from. It's a crashed bunker. This might be one of the places where, if you have some automata background knowledge, yeah. it might help you know that it'd it be was like, oh hey, the androids. That this might be where they were coming from. Like, like you'd have something to do there, but like. It might also not help you because in the middle of the raid, you go down to the lowest levels, you go down to the command room, and the command room has an elevator into what in Automata was the alien spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> so that knowledge might not help you here. Whereas if you were listening to 2P and 2B here, you might put together that, oh, since the machine life forms are mimicking the androids to destroy their enemy, it makes sense that maybe you'd have spaceship, machine life forms, androids in white, kind of all connected in this one place. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize how these three areas actually all kind of share a very similar like role, right? So mm -hmm. like the idea that the copied factory is where the machine life forms are being made, the idea that the... Um, Oh gosh, bunker? bunker? No, bunker. the bunker is where the androids have been like operating out of, and like that's sort of their home or headquarters, their source, if you will. And then the fact that this ship is also again a source point, and it was you know where the the I guess original aliens sort of came in that then unleashed the machine life forms. That's just just a, to, a note. I hate to go on another digression because this is one of the things that I didn't figure out and I was curious about, and it's probably some dumb thing I've overlooked. Um, I remember a rumor that 2P's name was based on, like, second player, because that's... Yeah, second player from Soul Calibur. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where you get the inverted color costume, so it's yep. like, ahaha, ha, second player. Um, is it... What does the P stand for here? Is it puppet? Are the are the machine mm. lifeform androids the puppets? Is that why it's the puppets bunker? I don't... Maybe. I didn't, yeah. I didn't figure that out. I was my guess I'm not sure that they even link that together so much as just were like, yeah, that's a thing from over there. We're gonna go with mm -hmm. it. Yeah, my my guess would be, and again, this is not based off of any actual factual thing that I've seen. This is my own personal yep. interpretation. Um, would be that the idea of a puppet, right? To me, 
narratively is usually somebody that's being controlled by some other thing. And uh, oftentimes, again, mass produced or, you know, built, built by hand, built by whatever. In, in this case, some sort of control, some kind of um, even mythology. Like if you're thinking automata, right? The idea that they are all puppets that are serving this supposedly noble cause. They're serving humanity. They themselves are puppets without realizing it in this like mm. false narrative, in this false direction. And I think it kind of works with the progression that we see where we do end up kind of facing the command sort of center hub and we go through all of that like that would work to me in the sense that like they're realizing or maybe they haven't realized or wherever in the narrative we think it is that they were puppets all along in a sense in this war and yet at the same time we know that they have souls they have their own drives their own initiatives their own thoughts their own feelings and so it kind of becomes a term that to me again is simplistic in the same way that saying machine life forms would be simplistic or mm -hmm. um i don't think it entirely encompasses who or what they are, and yet it maybe explains a bit of the context. Something that's also sort of interesting here, and I actually, I don't know, maybe you can tell me if this is actually a thing, because I'm curious. I to hope. be, a lot of people have drawn the parallel that to be, as a, an, 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 what would you call it, as a nickname or as a, a moniker, mm -hmm. could be a reference to to be or not to be, that is the question, which is, of I course, think the, I think it's gotta be. Like, I mean, I think so too. Philosophy references in that game. There are a lot of philosophy references in that yeah. game, and that's why I, that's part of what drew me to Automata is that like the story is more about what it means to be human and exploring what it means to be human through the eyes of two things that are both succeeding and failing to be human in completely different ways. And I felt like that was the real philosophical journey through it for me, was was kind of exploring my own values through things that are misunderstanding our values. And I also just put a, a sudden thought on this, which I think is actually really cool and could add more context to your question, which is that I studied, I actually studied Shakespeare and I did a lot of Shakespeare in college. So Hamlet, if we do think there is a strong connection yeah. here mm -hmm. to be or not to be. So for anybody who doesn't know that soliloquy, it's like in and of itself is a discussion. There's so many ways that actors interpret it, but yeah. One of the main ways is literally this kind of question of mortality, right? So he himself is saying, do I live and fight on? Do I die and be consumed by this? And then there's also this greater thing within Hamlet, which is that he literally puts on a puppet show. He puts on, this is not a joke. He puts on a puppet show within the actual play itself because at the beginning of the play, he's been confronted by the ghost of his father um, which again, different play, you know, different envisioning and envisionings of it kind of take this literally or figuratively in a lot of ways. But he's con he's confronted by the ghost of his father to say, "I was murdered. Your uncle did it. Now you need to get vengeance for me." And so Hamlet goes on this journey where he's trying to reconcile his own inner turmoil. What do I want? What is my life? And what am I willing to sacrifice within the context of my legacy? Um, within the context of what I owe to my father, my bloodline, my kingdom. Um, and we see all these other things fall apart around him because of the choices he makes pursuing that. And in a great moment of confrontation, he confronts his uncle because he thinks, I can't outright say that he's the source of all of this, but what I am going to do is I'm going to put on a puppet show. And in the puppet show, it's going to be like, yeah, um, so this person is like a prince is here, but like totally unconnected to anything his dad got murdered and it turned out 
it was his brother that done did it. And he's expecting that in the moment, his uncle is going to see this play of real mm -hmm. life and then be like, oh, dang, that's like me. I did it. Me. And then like leave, right? Um, so all of that context to be said, and thank you for listening to the Shakespeare nerdery mm -hmm. here, everybody. I actually think if we if we think that is truly something that's a connection here, that could also be more information about this idea of the puppets, right? Mm -hmm. um, that they are like play acting almost, and that there are these blame games. And again, we see that within the actual context of the dwarves as well, mm -hmm. that there are these ideas of who was right, who was wrong, um, the fight, the carrying on the legacy, all this different stuff, which I think is really interesting. And in that sense, I mean, it's almost as though to be would be our Hamlet figure and 2P would almost be the puppet reflection of her own life, mm. which is really fascinating. Like, right. you know, your own your mm. own journey and crimes that have been presented to you. And I mean, that's again, just interpretation. Get, that's a, that's so a very, <laughs> that's oh, a yeah. very deep yeah. interpretation. I, I have a much more simpler one for the, the, the why puppet naming. So when I think of a puppet, right, I think of like a character and somebody's got like their hand up their butt and they're like, you know, mm -hmm. like that. So, like, we have the giant 2P, like, boss at the end. I think they all just clam together. They shove their hands up each other's butts, and that's how the, the boss stays connected. So, in chat, <laughs> in chat, someone uh, said that 2B's not actually even her no name. Nothing? Really? Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> Tough, no, tough crowd. Should, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be processing that for the entirety of the rest of the podcast, and I want you to know this. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank so you. So her name is 2E for two executioner, I guess. E for executioner. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like a, a in the case of the to be or not to be, it's like more like to kill or not kill. Which I mean also works. I mean. You could also, you know, by the end of the play, Hamlet also takes on the role of executioner and ends up in a duel, right? And then because of his own quest for vengeance, ends up dying alongside the one he accused, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just fun. And I think Yoko Taro is very conscious of things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And like you like you were saying, Anonymous, I think reading into some of these things, again, we can't say without the creator actually right. saying this was right. the inspiration. But is it... When you do crazy shit like that all the time... And people speculate crazy shit back at you. You don't know which crazy shit's intended and which crazy shit's just other crazy shit. I'm just gonna have to straight up ask him next time. I I'd be like, so the puppets bunker was named that because they put their hands in their in the butts <laughs> and, their and they made one yes. big hand one big, butt one android <laughs> thing. thing going on. Kobe says in chat that there is a Taro tweet that confirms the two B in A two. So A two is A two Brutus. Which mm -hmm. is a line um, about you know the great betrayal. She of... was a traitor, mm -hmm. allegedly. Mm -hmm. So that's that's very interesting. It's cool, nice. I love it. Yeah. I love Shakespeare references. We can lots, keep going. Lots of, lots of great discussion going on today. So I think we're we're like halfway through the the puppets bunker point, which is you go down there. Two peas gone. She's just dead on the floor when you walk in. And a whole bunch of like half-formed android bodies pop out of her energy spiral or whatever's going on over her body. They all congeal into this big mass of broken androids. Uh, this bunch of numbers comes up on the screen, which translates to the word longing if you put it into a decimal translator and play with it enough. Um, so the machines are like longing to give birth to something, to reproduce on their own, to, to evolve in their own way. And this is how they're doing it today. A giant 
giant sphere made of android bodies and that becomes a giant model to which you fight and then that dies and you go home uh so we are good on that plot point yeah that one doesn't seem like it needs any other clarification or discussion. that's pretty normal no. in my world people yeah. all melt and then become one big no. people mm-hmm. we're we're finally at the two plot points that we keep coming back to anyway why though? so why what why, why squishy person person? Because it's creepy. Oh, yes. Don't forget, though, they had to put their hands in each other's butts to do that. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, have any, have, they didn't have any, like, super glue handy, so they needed to do something to form that strong connection. Like a ball joint. This is Yoko Taro's, just, this is Yoko Taro's personal fetish, so that just kind of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's, let's be realistic that it was probably mostly just, like, we're hitting a lot of beats from Automata along the way in different ways. Like, if the carnival was our amusement park, then this is our Adam. This is our birth of Adam. This is the machines Mm, coming together to give birth to something in a really uncomfortable way, but it's what means something to them. So I think it's just our Adam reference if we're going to be, you know, realistic about it. Yeah, and we see, I was going to say, we see that even in, well, at least what I saw, Automata, right? There's a whole scene where all the robots are there. Yep. They're... All, all, I'm a they're girl they're, and they're having fun. All they're of the robots fun. are having a really fun time together. They're all like really having a good time because they've you know found a lot of things to emulate from yes. real life. So Such a they good decide, time. The they best time. That it's all of them. They're having they're having a big orgy. This is what's happening. Yeah. Um, but then you also see like this like birth kind of thing, right? The idea of the womb or Adam mm-hmm. reference, like you were saying, the idea of the, of the source of creation of the the source of life. And so I think from like a standpoint of, is it very visceral and very gross in a lot of ways? Yes. Is there body birth. horror? Yes. Birth. But so is real birth. And so are all these other things. So yeah, I think it is again, visual symbolism. I think also in a different way, you could look at it almost as like the loss of individuality for to be consumed by a sure. single idea. Um, mm-hmm. Those sorts of things too. Cause there's a bunch of different imagery. Zen's over here like, <laughs> Brooke, stop it. Stop with every no, time you're like, symbolism. Like, no, no, I love I love the symbolism, not gonna lie. Um, but I was just, randomly, my brain was like, ah, yes, individualism lost. And I was just imagining one of these creepy, gooey women turning to the other. You guys, you want to be the shoe? Yeah, you're the shoe, yeah. <laughs> There's a freaking one who's like, I don't want to be the shoe then, this time. And then, and then the camera pans down, and it's Ruby Weapon's feet, and then Zen wakes oh. up from her nightmare. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> that is a nightmare, no. Mm. So, okay. all right, yes. this is where we get our first explanation. Two bees, like, I'm from another world, the machine life forms invaded, they were on behalf of the aliens, the white-clad androids were made to attack us, that's all the backstory you're going to get. Uh, Anog re- reunites to be with 9S, confirms that they're on the same side, and that they're going to need each other to actually go through with this whole thing. But Komra, the village, turns on Anog and Konog. They believe that if they weren't dicking around in the dig site to begin with, none of this ever would have happened. It's all their fault. And you get a lot of these themes that just like, it doesn't matter, like justice doesn't matter closure matters the narrative matters scary Um, too real (laughs) that too real it is it is like i was uncomfortable with that too because i see a lot of that around me and once it starts you can't stop it there's this feedback loop 
that like more and more people are like, yeah, yeah, I just want to feel safe again. I want to feel like things make sense again. I want this to be over. And if we have to like completely screw someone else over to make that happen, fine. They're the enemy. They're awful. They're evil. And you spend a lot of time, like if you actually go around and talk to all the dwarves, yeah. you can try to convince them otherwise and think about what they're saying. And a lot of them do end up saying things like, long as it ain't me. Like, Which so, is awful because mm -hmm. it wasn't just the two twins going in and right. picking stuff out of there. There was a It could of have been any of them. Yes. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just wasn't. But the torches and pitchforks are already out, man. They're yep. already out. Yeah. This one sequence, I think, worked the best out of, personally for me. I mean, sure. I actually liked the raids and things. I think there's a lot of good stuff in them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, like, this one sequence, as far as the quest went, I think worked the best for me. Because mm -hmm. it did actually feel like, again, what we were doing tied directly into, like, the narrative point that they were wanting to make that was supported by the context and the lore of what had happened. And, like, all of it came together in a way that I thought was really satisfying. And I really enjoyed those options. Like, that moment where you talk to them all because they're... It was maybe one of the only moments in the whole game where I had a, a second where I was like, if I say the wrong thing to this person, something mm. bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And like, I was really worried, you know, like, and, and I don't always get that feeling in 14 for so many reasons. I mean, you know, and of course, it doesn't necessarily really affect much, but I thought it was a very, um, a very interesting way to do that. And especially when you think about so many people, the masses, or if you've had like, people in your life that are very contradictory or, you know, very quick to hate certain groups or people or things like that. And you sit there like, how am I supposed to make sense of this person who is just being completely irrational? How am I supposed to give rationality to somebody who's being irrational? How am I supposed, what's the one argument that I need to, to bring about a resolution that isn't harming someone else? That I thought was very good. I thought it really worked for me. Um, so I yeah I, I liked that bit. I thought it was a this, good bit. This this yeah. this was like the one point in the story where it's like oh are they are they doing some like social Gonna commentary here or like yeah. are they trying to get to like a deeper message here and then it's just like ah it's all your fault and you know then we get into the next bit and you're like oh okay, that, okay so hmm. okay that in the next bit um that was like one of the between uh, twenty four man yeah. bits right mm -hmm. yes uh, that yeah. was that I I remember specifically being like ah this is actually where I'm starting to it's care like about the story they're, so they're, that... they're doing it they're starting okay yeah, we're getting yeah, there yeah. We're, we're, in we're my experience there. that's how that's how Yoko Taro games work I like. I, re I played Nier back in 2010. I loved it. I'd played both Dragon Guard games. I didn't even know Nier and Dragon Guard were connected until I was halfway through Nier. Um, but like we went to E3 together and I saw the Nier 2 ad and I was I, like, You I even did our Automata review, I think, didn't you? I dem that was the day I demanded to do the Nier Automata yeah. review because I didn't think anybody else knew enough about Yoko Taro to play it the way you had to play it to see everything um and there were there were a lot of reviews that stopped after ending a and i was like no you didn't it's not over because you saw credits that's not how this man works like <laughs> so yeah i lobbied hard to review that game and i did and when i got to the ending a i felt a little weird i wasn't sure that i cared about a lot of these people yet i wasn't sure that a lot of this mattered and I was like, this is just so dry compared to what I, I, I played near one. And I just like wept at points of that game as I realized what I was doing and what was going on. It was a sad game, but this one was a little dry. 
And by the end of B, I was like, you know, because you do B is A over again. So I was like, you know what? I think I, I, I see a little more of the perspectives. I think I care about the people a little more. I, I can get it. I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. Let's see what I feel after C. And I go to start C and it's opening credits. That was the prologue. A and B were the prologue. And as I'm watching like the opening credits in C, I'm like, oh shit, this is awesome. And like by the end of it, I was sad again. So like, <laughs> it's just, he tells stories in weird ways. So this is, I think this is our, we're, this is our ending A point. Like we mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. have made it to the point where we have enough that we're going to see like the true opening of what's going on. So are we, are we okay. ready? Is anything not making it. sense? Is there anything we want to digest? What do we I think, I think we're good. You think we're good? Okay. So as the town turns on them, Konog decides that he's going to try to make amends with people. And he singles out this one person who is super mad that his wife got hurt. And he's like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to get him some ale. I'm going to give him an apology. I'm going to try to explain myself and we'll do this one person at a time. And he goes and he gets some ale and he brings it back to this guy. And this guy's like, I don't want your stupid ale. Get away from me. I, what, I, what I want is to never see you again. And he's like crushed. Um, Konog finds out that this man's wife is on death's door. She was pregnant before the bombing happened. She is no longer. Um, he's crushed and he runs away into the bunker. Anog's already gone. So this is like our really depressed point. And we chase after Konog and find him having broken into the bunker, gone down into the ship, and he's staring at a white sphere that's just inside of the ship. And through the echo, we find that the Anog we've spent the entire time with appeared from the white sphere after being crushed in a landslide. And I don't know how long ago that was, but it looks mm. like it was possibly a while ago. Like a long time ago. Um, the dig site chief actually says, oh, I found the two in that very cave years ago. And I think that's supposed to be kind of your reference point for how long Anog yeah. has not been Anog. Mm -hmm. Right. So when Anog came out of the sphere, she was like, Nonverbal, and then she just scans Konog and is like, ah, Konog. So, anybody who has played Drakengard knows what this is, but like I said before, just because it's familiar doesn't mean your knowledge about it is valuable. It doesn't mean that it's the same thing here that it is there. Um, what this white sphere is, is the ultimate MacGuffin in Drakengard. It is the cause of and solution to all of life's problems, but every time it shows up and someone tries to use it, it goes horribly wrong. Like, that's the most that I can say about it. Um, the seeds of destruction are quote-unquote playthings of the gods left behind. They appear at the end of the world. They facilitate the end of the world. And again, every time they're used for something, something goes wrong. <laughs> um... It's the source of kind of most of the boss fights in Drakengard 1. Um, one of them is like this guy is totally demoralized about the death of his lover. So he like puts her into the thing. Well, I mean, lover's maybe not the most accurate word, but the woman he's in love with. 
puts her into it and like all of these like gross copies of her spring out of it and destroy the world. So they, like, they, they're really good at copying stuff and mm. they're really good at ending the world. That's what they do. Oh, okay, cool. What? Okay. Do you think it's okay? Because I am, as we have established this cast, the, the ultimate queen of symbolism and metaphor. Mm -hmm. Do you think it actually has like a tangible, like, is it supposed to represent just the force of chaos in the world or like things beyond mortal ken? I assumed, because like you said, I don't have the Drakengard context. Mm -hmm. So from what I got from these quests and the context of the lore as they presented it to me, I just thought that it was a part, it was used by the white androids and maybe mm -hmm. it made more of them. And that's where, that's about where I stopped on my, I don't know what this is, but that's what I think. <laughs> the, the thing I've learned in Nier and Drakengard, the whole Yokotaro verse, is did, did you see the script that came around it? Like the writing that came around it yeah. when, when we first mm. see it? When you see that script, stop trying to understand it. Oh. Do you think is... it's like the words of creation? Yes. Like if we're getting, like that's it's, what it's you think sacred, it is. Okay. It's a sacred angelic language. It has to do with just things that are beyond our knowledge, things that are beyond our knowing. Um, you can try to understand it through the things that have been left behind by it, like the the flower of three is connected to the red-eyed virus of Drakengard is connected to the logic virus of Automata. Like, you can try to find these connections through it. You can find... You can try to find... Um, links between also I'm losing my train of thought here but like the the gods and the watchers which is like this cult from Drakengard one and the blah 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 blah, blah. okay so, so hold up real fast did you when you see that script on stuff give up it's plot mm -hmm. fuel it's MacGuffins it's all gonna come back to the watchers and the red eyes and it, you're not gonna ever understand it I mean that's okay though like Okay, yeah. so Badir is saying in chat that the script is an actual real thing that uh, somebody created in the 16th century to apparently let him communicate with gods and angels. Do you know if this was tied to the practice of alchemy? Because that would be kind of interesting. Alchemy was also like a semi-science magical art that was supposed to, again, break down the foundations of the understanding of the great cosmic mysteries or um, things that transcended beyond. I mean, I think you can have some MacGuffins. Like, this is, I, sure. I, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if we even think about our experiences as human beings, no one knows. Nobody knows what's going on, whether you follow mm -hmm. certain religions or spiritualities or things like that. The idea that there is something bigger beyond us, there's some kind of force in the world that is larger than us that we don't understand, I think is a very relatable theme. So, like, I'm okay with this MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. I guess that in the context of Final Fantasy lore, I just didn't understand. Like, if it had been more like, <laughs> this is just angel stuff, I would have been like, oh, okay, so we're doing MacGuffin time, and it's the great cosmic stuff, mystery, yeah. and it's a noble well, language of the universe. <laughs> if you want to invoke MacGuffins, that kind of occultism from that area is a great thing to invoke. It's one of mm -hmm. the things that is hard to understand, is very diverse, has a lot of cool symbolism in it. So to answer your question, like when you talk about is it connected to alchemy, in a way, yeah, because the real world version of the script was by um, Agrippa. I forget what the hell it was part of. Oh, but, yeah. So, yeah, Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa. Um, yeah, 
you got hermeticism, cool. alchemy, occultism, uh, and um, like they had the study of angels and demons and the goetias and the, like all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. something like great stuff to invoke if you want like mystery in your world. But what I've learned is when you see the celestial alphabet in near, you give up. Like you just accept that it's going to go to the watchers mm -hmm. somehow. And if you're going to figure it out someday, it's probably not today. So come back to it when you got yeah. some time. Part of me is just imagining like totally not Emmett Selleck, the immortal shoe bill, like looking down at us sure. as we're like, check out the seat of destruction. Like how long has that been there? Damn. I could have used that. <laughs> or even right. better yet, oh, I made that a real long time ago. Whoops, how'd that get out? Or like, yeah. I mean, no, I, I, uh, that's really cool, actually. And I mean, I don't think you have to understand it, right? Because I think it serves that purpose of being the unknowable. And I, I like that. Um, but again, do I think I got that from 14 in the context of what was happening? I didn't, I really did not get that. If I had played Drakengard, I think, like you said, it would have immediately mm. been a visual, like a symbolism that would yeah. have made sense to me. I would have liked a line or something where it's like, is that connected to the enemy? And somebody's like, no one knows what that is. And then I would have got, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's right. fine. Right. I accept uh, that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I, I dig that because I think that overall, there are some things we don't have to know or understand. There are some things we don't have to verbatim be able to unravel to understand that this was the secret thing, the secret code inside of the other code that like, to me, that goes, all right, there are things beyond our understanding. And, you know, when we try to, I guess, play God, which could be maybe the greater metaphor, like if, when we try to play God, oftentimes our own mortal directives, misconceptions, thoughts, ideas mislead us um, in a way that is destructive. Like, like with that, you know, somebody, the lover, not lover, who I get the feeling was somebody that maybe didn't reciprocate right. those feelings. And then it's like, well, I'm going to put her in there and I'm going to put all my thoughts on that. And so, it's gonna, interesting. I'm going to bring in a, a point from chat is that 90% of the time, it's just a DNA sequence anyway. Like right. the, the Gattaca's spread throughout it. But I mean. Oh, no. Like, don't talk about but, DNA with Rook. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, no. Spiral. Spiral. <laughs> is it a DNA He's sequence? <laughs> you put the spiral oh. back up on your background. Yes. Yes. It's over the moon. No, that's not the moon. Sorry. It's over Heidelin. So um, the game might have the game might have actually just thought it was more clear with this than it was to some um, because you do immediately find it's associated with the enemy. Like when you go back down there, you find Konog collapsed in front of it. And mm -hmm. what does it spawn? A whole bunch of two peas. And then mm -hmm. it like va like vaporizes them all out of existence with their weird, creepy yell. And then they turn mm -hmm. into the tower. So like yeah, that. it's probably associated with the enemy, but like I think a lot of people might not have been like, "Ooh, is that associated with the enemy?" And like, "Whoa, what the hell is that?" Like, so it might have just we skipped the connection we were supposed to make to be like, "Yay, crazy shit, Yoko Taro!" Like, <laughs> so I feel I am a really big... justified in uh, in in your explanation that the text shows up, you don't have to know what's going on because uh, up until that point, like. We, we had the townspeople and I was like, oh, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And we go into the depths of the stuff and we come across Enog and, and they're like showing that, that she's been recreated. Like, oh, this is all really cool mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, what, where are they going to go with this? And then it's like text. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm kind of disinterested <laughs> again. But like having you tell me that that's sort of how I was supposed to feel. 
good, I guess. <laughs> yep. I think yeah. I think even I think even the fact that it is always like Gattaca symbols, like DNA symbols, mm. is mm. part of the don't think too hard about it because you're seeing the code of the universe. And right. do you know enough? You like you don't even know what's going on. You think the code of the universe is going to explain it? Like you don't know the code of the universe, so that's usually just where I. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yes, I do. my golden ratio up. Yeah. Golden ratio is going to help you chart. All the golden ratio. Look, if you would just pull, just pull that code up, and you just start to. Decode it. It just unraveled. No, okay. I do actually have a legitimate non-Mimi question. Okay, so. You have connected so many things for me right now, Moose, that I'm so glad to know because I had no idea what was happening here. So the tower is a direct creation of the unknowable entity of the universe or the whatever that is. The seed. The seed of chaos, destruction times. Um, okay, so then those bosses that we fight in the next raid, when they unleash those ring attacks, is that the divine language or is that something different? Like you're, I'm talking about like the ones that have the texts that like emanate out you know what i'm saying they're, they're a reference to the actual like mechanics of the fights of the entities that are that that are using those scripts from the other games um mm. the rings that come out like that are rings of song uh most of the right. most of the endings of the game talk about like the song of the end like mm. there's all different ways to refer to this like the apocalypse comes with a song um so when well, you see nice those like it. angelic rings it's like what what was that? that? That's nice of it that you know if if, oh, if yeah, yeah. and the world at least you know we get a we get a good ditty to go out on. And mm -hmm. multiple and there's some good songs. Multiple times when you get to the ending, the the queen beast or weird god that comes out of mm -hmm. all of this is singing the song of the end, and it turns into a rhythm game where you have to dodge the rings of angelic script that are coming out of them. The one in Drakengard Three is brutal. It is cruel. The <laughs> only way that I could beat it was to start it and pause my game on a certain beat of the song and open mm -hmm. a YouTube video that had like a guitar hero kind of like rhythm thing yeah. on it and then unpause them both at the same time and hit the buttons while looking at YouTube instead of my game. That was the only way I could beat that stupid song. Yikes. It is cool. That was I mean, that was my introduction to Yoko Taro, yeah. was seeing that, because a friend was playing that, and was like, look at this, this is so cool, this is so hard, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but this is really awesome. Some of the beats are like, the last couple of beats yeah. are silent, the yeah, song silent. is over, but you still have to track the beats and hit yep. it like, at the right time, Weird. because it's Weird. it's a ten, like, like Stars just said, it's a ten minute, ten minute song, and if you fail one, you're gone. It's it. Oh my gosh, I want to play Drakengard really bad now. <laughs> I... I cannot stress this and like I that's one of the reasons I wanted to revere review Automata so much is because every other Yoko Taro game was it was objectively middling at best. You gotta play it. Like yeah. so <laughs> don't expect like really great like software, but expect experiences that you're never gonna have anywhere else. Mm. Like it's novel experiences. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in some of the past breakdowns that I did with the near raid, our first reactions and stuff like that. But the idea of music as being a medium that, again, is like a language without language yep. is something that like it perfectly ties into these themes. Right. It's it's an emotion scape. It's something that you don't have to speak any one language to understand. It's like the Tower of Babel or, you yep. know, kind of like what we get here with the imagery with the tower or all these other things um, or the divine unknowable language or. Uh, whatever it is, I mean, I can see that symbolism in the way that it's evoked or used as a medium to carry both emotion or like biblical analogies of 
angels and their, you know, trumpets mm. in the end of days or like it's long been used in many different cultures as having a lot of symbolism that oftentimes defies language, which is really fascinating. So I love that they put some of that stuff in. I just, I guess I didn't even realize that like right. the tower came from the orb and then the, like, I was like, was this Neither tower man. in the old world? And they like teleported it here, but then it's, or like the two worlds are bleeding together because they're trying to like portal them together yeah. or like create a gate. Yeah. Or... It was like instantaneous 3D printing. Look, basically, all so you lost. need to know is that now there's a tower and there's yeah. bad things in the tower. So mm -hmm. you have to go and fight the bad things oh. in the tower. Yep. It's a 3D printed tower. That's what it is. Yep. yep. So, okay. We're gonna, I mean, yes, we're gonna, I think this will transition us moving forward anyway. Yep. So the tower came from the orb. The enemies that are on the tower, are they also a product of the orb or are they like other entities or things tied to the white robots? Yes. Cool. <laughs> that cleared it right up. Great, yeah. let's keep going. One word <laughs> answer. Perfect. <laughs> I think like because once we get inside of it, we we see the red girl, um, and I think that's kind of your just take with a grain of salt whatever's going on in there because that's like the heart of the machine network. That's the network consciousness of the tower. It's the core of everything. So it like you could think of it as you know all of this was the guiding principle inside of the seed before, and now it's the guiding principle outside of the seed where you can attack it. Like you can think about it any way you want to. It's just. It's the network consciousness guarding the tower. So the network um, consciousness is made up of a bunch of little girls that upset the network when they used AOL homework help too much when they were younger? Or, like, what? Yeah. Uh, I just go back to Automata, really. Like, they were, they were the consciousness core in there too i think like having this idea of like the red queen is a common trope mm -hmm. in terms of puppet masters i was i was just creepy. thinking of the red queen for the, the resident oh, evil sure. movies yeah of course yeah, yeah. Uh, what is yeah. she okay she's in the movies fusion yeah only so, so she's in the movies um and then via uh the light gun games that they made uh umbrella chronicles and dark side chronicles they kind of retconned ish a little bit yeah. and like she then existed in the in the game universe as well yeah stop it they <laughs> yeah they but, did some weird stuff with those games but with your with your previous comment about you know the red red girl being you know someone who was on aol too much that would make the language of the celestials the dial tone or the or the the there the you go yeah, there you go exactly that's why we can't that's understand they sounded it terrible when they were screaming yeah exactly Boom. they were just trying to dial no. in okay so <laughs> the red girl is like a unified consciousness of the orb that exerts will outside of it if... or is she tied to the androids if we understand the machine network is emanating from the seed, then the red girl is like the consciousness of that machine network. It's like the ego of the machine network. It's it's the human soul, human likes human soul like thing yeah. that the machine network has driving it right now. It's it's a uh, ego. Okay. So okay, 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 okay. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So. We think that when we're saying machines, you mean like androids and machine life forms, or do you mean specifically one group or the other? In this case, the machine network would be the machine life forms and the white clad androids. Okay. So the aliens that originally 
created them. Yep. They tapped into this power source to animate those. In this world, I'm yeah. not sure because they weren't connected to it in the other. Um, Interesting. In this world, I think if I were to try to put the conspiracy string around it myself and not have Yoko Taro do it with a like a musical or some kind of like puppet show that's going to be, you know, packaged in some other project. Emmett Emmet Selks and Juliet's or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if I were to try to put the conspiracy string together myself, I would say that in one branch of the timeline where we had the machine war and Earth, that the seeds of destruction appeared as they would have in Drakengard again. Um, that the machine network is what tapped into them for the first time. Like I said, they're really good at replicating stuff and they're really good at ending the world. So the machine network is even more about ending the world in, in, um, in this than Automata. Um, and as the, the seeds started replicating in other worlds, it brought the machine network with it to spawn machines to destroy that world. And Yorha was still trying to counter that because that's the point of their entire existence. Okay, I love this. I love this because it's starting to actually come together for me because there's like a lot of interesting little things here. And of course, again, as you said, all our own interpretation, this right. is not yep. by any means yep. written down by law somewhere. <laughs> I just have to continually provide these little... One new piece of lore I'm wrong. Um, because, okay, so you're making these interesting parallels to the Red Queen, right? Mm -hmm. Which is something that I actually didn't even think of initially. And, and I think it's actually really fascinating that you brought up Resident Evil Fusion because, you know, that landscape of like JRPGs or other influences that would probably directly affect this kind of media or things that Yoko Taro probably would have very much known about weighs in. When I first saw the Red Girl, I immediately thought like young girls are oftentimes used as symbolism for um, innocence or like, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of... Um, state of innocence but then when you have red red in and of itself can represent a lot of different things i think of um the red of the apple from like the garden of eden mm -hmm. or blood or mm -hmm. um something that would be again more of like a hostile or i guess not, not necessarily hostile but something that causes change to some degree that can be negative possibly so when i had been watching yeah. it i had thought of her as an eve symbolism as like, if we have these other Adam analogies, this like young girl kind of reminds me almost of like the mother of life. Mm. So then mm -hmm. when you're bringing in these other ideas, Anonymous with these connections with like the machine life forms, almost tapping into what we might consider to be the divine spark, which might tie into this like larger concept of unknowable things, right? The soul versus the flesh. We know that a person is not just the actual physical retainer that their body is. We know that there is something intangible that is the soul. And what does that mean? What connotation does it have? Um, you bringing that context as well with the idea of humanity splitting the soul from the body, also fascinating. Everything else that we know within the context of 14, also really cool. Um, and so it, it kind of brought that together, I guess, for me in a way that like that vision or idea of like, yes, maybe there were other creators who are trying to tap into this. And if there is like this constant driving force for change, be it good or ill, destruction, you know, can path, like uh, pave the way for different changes. It doesn't have to always be a bad thing. Right. It, you know, I, I kind of, it kind of came together for me in a sense that I just did not get from these quests when I right. was like, why is this tower here? Why are the right. white robots tied to this? Why are the machine life forms a part of this? Why is this red girl here? 
But if she's some mm -hmm. kind of, I guess, analogy or or something for these like larger, like this larger intangible right. life or soul that we have and or like, yeah, I mean, I've for me, those Garden of Eden things were there. Go ahead, I've Aldina. always thought of her as, you know, the, as we we're talking about the apple and forbidden knowledge, I always thought of her as the, the force behind the evolution of the machine life forms or right. some sort of uh, side effect of it right? Like the coalescing of this knowledge or, or something that's driving them, right? And to see that in 14 is like, okay, we're, we're gonna get into cool stuff, but uh, you know. I believe they're, they're, like the difference would be like in, in Automata mm -hmm. we had this idea that the, the red girls were actually trying to take their evolution high enough to, yeah. break, to break the cycle of their only purpose being to fight, to be at war. Yeah that they would cast off the aliens entirely and be their own masters, be their own life force if they could just develop far enough. So in a way, like the driving the war with Yorha was a way to bring about enough evolution to be free. Whereas here, it's similar only in the regard that we're like, the evolution is to just keep going on and on and destroy the world. But maybe yeah. that's the thing that they want to break away from is that the, the bit thanks to the seed in the machine code that their only existence is kill enemy, but that's not what they want. They want to fuck around and have fun at the factory. Yeah. Like they want <laughs> so like, they want to the the reproduce. They want to, you know, quit their jobs and dig around in old code. And yeah, you know, so like maybe that like, there might be more in common than we think if we just go to a different level of the analysis. So we're ready, we're ready to keep continue up the tower. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. We're at the end. Uh, almost. So we <laughs> break through the network consciousness, go up the tower, and now like the the seed is floating. Uh, it's got like a portal open. We're like halfway merged with the weird fake Tokyo from the end of Drakengard One. And we get our, as most of those games do, come down to like a battle with a very strange god. And that's now like what we're fighting is that weird, I don't even know what you'd want to call it. It's like, a, it's a mix of all of the things you would find in the Drakengard universe in a way. Um, so this is the point where it's going to claim dominion over the first. It's going to destroy everything. It's got a portal coming through. We fight that off. Um, Anog goes through the portal and tries to close it from the other side. Um, I guess because she came out of it. You go yeah. back through it. I, I, I don't know. So she goes through to close it from the other side. Tubi and 9S realize that because of what they are, they can't fully close the portal if they're in the world. So they disable themselves and go through the portal as well, and it closes. Um, this is the revelation that when the machine code started replicating through the seeds into different worlds with the idea of just like destroy the world, the way Yorha continued their mission of fighting them was to put themselves into that code like a virus. So anywhere the machine life forms replicate themselves out of the seed, the Yorha units will replicate themselves out of the seed to fight them. But once the portal opens, it can't close again until they bust through it is there anything there that doesn't make sense it, it makes waiting. sense i don't know why but it makes sense it's very concise actually like the even watching it at the end i'm kind of going what 
Huh? But, yeah. yeah. But just knowing that they, they are like a secondary virus inside a virus to help mm-hmm. combat the virus. You, yeah, you've already won for, for what it's worth. I, I it, it does make a little <laughs> bit more sense now. I still don't know if I like it, but it does make more sense. And that was what we were we were trying to do. So. So once the portals close, the, the tower <laughs> vanishes. You go back to town. Um, you check back in with the dwarves, who we haven't like talked to nope. in a little bit while all this was going on. Uh, so Konog leaves because he's he's not happy at all with, with how this has happened. All Anog left him with was a letter. Um, and the villagers who have learned almost nothing turn on Glag, the guy who started the witch hunt last mm-hmm. time. So they all go after him. <laughs> so this is where we get our post story, mm-hmm. where you have to start doing your weekly quest. Because this is Yoko Taro, and if you want any hope at all, you have to work for it. And that no. might mean, in 14, that might mean remembering to come do a nonsense weekly quest five weeks in a row, just so you can have some sense of closure in this utterly And, and to get that 310 gil. Mm-hmm. And to get that 310 gil. Yeah, yeah. So there's two things we get through this. Um, something happens to Glag. We don't know what it is. He doesn't know what he's doing. He starts yelling more. Once he's yelling, he starts crying. Like, we don't know what's going on with him. And then they find him face down in the room where the white seed was, and he's back to normal. And that's that. And, uh... Cool. You not, want answers? Not, uh, Sorry. Not, not ominous at all. No, not no. ominous at all. No. The other branch of it is Konog starts sending you records from his wandering where um, he he wants to learn more about the seeds of destruction. He takes a pod with him. Um, he confirms that the whole purpose of the spheres is they just invade other worlds and duplicate the machine life forms and try to destroy it. Um, he explains a little bit more about like how 2B and 9S added their own data to the seed to make sure that it would be replicated with the virus so that they could continue fighting the war on every front. So if you do these weekly, you get like a little more clarity about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the world that they, he says that the world that 2B and 9S came from is inconceivably advanced, but that's just not, we don't get so much more than that. The one thing that I like keep thinking about is he found, it says, I've found there's data stored by machines bearing the names of gods, and even the tiniest glimpse of the smallest portion reveals memories by the hundreds, people's memories. So, like, I think about that a lot because I don't really know what that means yet. Right. Intriguing. Whether they did or not uh, is probably questionable, too. They're like, let's make it just sound cool and ominous. Yeah. To me, I've always uh, understood, you know, of Automata that the that humanity is the god to these androids, right? Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, I was like, is he just saying he's found more recordings of their people? People from that world who lived in that inconceivably complex, you know, social media world? Um, you know, did, did he get some Twitter DMs that he shouldn't have seen? You know, like, and are these the names of gods because they were the people? Like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. That's actually a really interesting theory. I like that. 
Yeah, my I, initial I, thought is nothing. <laughs> super interesting. Actually I actually really love about that. Us? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Or the inhabitants of that Tokyo, or not even that Tokyo, because it's not that one that got destroyed. That one got destroyed in a different game. So it's like I'm not sure, or it, or did it, right? Yes. The answer is yes. About us, then yeah. he's picking through the data of the game itself. Which Ooh. Would be cool. Fair I bad. mean. I really do like the the part of this the the part of this that I like the most is the machines hitching a ride on the word of creation like basically hacking it to use it. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's cool. That is super neat and it makes me wonder like why did the word of creation start replicating these machine life forms in the first place? Does it think that that is the template for all life now and like mm -hmm. is just generating life? Does it like the template of yeah. the apocalypse. Or yeah. the template of the apocalypse. And like, the machines don't want to be part of the apocalypse. They want to be mm. live. It's very interesting. Yeah, my, like, I guess, initial thought with that little snippet is just, I kind of imagine that sort of like we've talked about the power of like prayer or fervent belief that powers a primal, right? Mm. That like those memories of sure. people were like, accumulated belief or something you know like a bunch of people that all believed in something similar whose like memory data got compiled and then almost like whether it was a god they worshipped or something else it you mm -hmm. know these names of things do you think as well kind of of um oh american gods like the book yeah, i was thinking yeah. something sort of like that where that idea of like condensed shared belief had given rise to some sort of yeah. ideal that was embodied through like a collective of memories or something. But I actually really love the way that you put it. I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially with the machine life forms being in there and like Android and like all that conception that we know. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like the glory of mankind versus the glory of Garlem Garlemald. Like they could have done more with that. Like, come on, like that's so, it's like low hanging fruit. We're all so disconnected and trapped on the first. Yeah. Too. They didn't yeah. want to like, they didn't mm -hmm. want to have the looming implications of seeds of destruction and bunkers yeah. and shit on the source. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I'm so happy. I know, I was, I was a little relieved. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. So As a person who really it. loves the first and wants so much more of the lore before this, I'm like, that's, that's cool. You could put it here. It feels kind of throwaway. The first kind of doesn't have a future, or does it, with Eden? Who knows? But, yeah, I was, I just wish, I don't know. I, I don't, I like that it's on the first so we don't have to deal with it anymore, but I'm also like, poor first, right? Like, <laughs> those poor people have no idea what's going on. Nope. So our last, our last two messages from Konog really drive home the parallels with Devila and Popola and the the idea of getting some semblance of hope out of this ending even if not more sense um konog admits that he knew anog was dead all along that you know he just can't live without her that he was willing to accept this other thing and it makes him want to go on that it, it's not worth going on without her um this was a big theme with devil and popola where they were willing to do quite a lot to stay together because the world is too lonely to be alone the world is a horrible place to be alone in and that they would have failed in their mission to even try to save humanity if they didn't have each other um so Konog gets really wrapped up in this idea of he can bring her back somehow if the spheres can make anything then he can make this I'm sure it'll be fine. So totally we fine. get these rumors that like someone's selling like dwarf automata in Yulemore and we're like, oh God. So we rush over there. We get there just after he leaves. 
And the last scene we see of him is him, like, split-minded. He's totally sure he's going to do this. He's going to keep working. He's going to fight for everything. He's going to do it. And then he collapses on the floor. He's like, I can't do it. This is beyond me. This isn't worth it. I can't be without you. And somehow, Anog just appears and is like, everything's going to be fine. Let's go. And they walk away hand in hand, and it is not explained. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And then, and then the game tells you, breaks down by by each world who picked like which of the yeah. the dwarves in that first you, quest. Every every single server was exactly the same, almost two to one. Anog over Kona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you guys Everybody pick? trusted two P. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So yeah. silly, um, silly us. This kind of brings it all back around to my big observation. Like if my, I think I've, I've made more sense of it. I don't know if I've made sense of it, but one of the things I want to do is to try to change like the idea of why did we like or not like it? Um, and I don't think it was the fact that it didn't make sense for a lot of people. I think at, mm-hmm. along the way we expected craziness and unexpected gifts and just this weirdness that was going to be very on brand for Yoko Taro. But when I go back and I look at every individual raid, every patch, like I open YouTube videos and watch first runs, people are having fun. They like the mechanics. They like the bosses. They like the rewards. They, like it, When you watch the videos, everybody spends the whole time like, this is freaking awesome. But there's this background noise of I have these expectations that aren't met by this awesome thing, but this thing's awesome, so I'm just gonna put those expectations aside. And the expectations of craziness and certain unexpected rewards never come. And when our ending is just that weird ending, that's what we're left with, is that bittersweetness of, what about those super obvious things that it felt like I was gonna get and didn't? Like like I said, we'll bring it back around to the red dragon. When we saw that red dragon in that raid and we thought he was doing some crazy 5D mm-hmm. chest shit, I think that set yeah. I think that set a tone. Um and when you combine that tone with the idea that it felt like such a no-brainer, we were going to get a pod mount. We were going to mm-hmm. get a flight unit mount. We were going to get weapons. Um, the bi- the weapons was the big letdown for me. Yeah. Do you remember when someone made that like, hypothetical uh, yep. near crossover? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing yeah. I... That's what I was most attached to. I right, loved yep. the idea of there being weapons. So I think the fact that we... I think it's those two things in combination. One the crazy red dragon shit that gave us higher expectations than Yokotaro could ever meet in terms of weird shit he could do in this game. Right. And two, we had already seen a collaboration suggestion that had stuff we didn't get. And um, Naoki Yoshida was like, well, you know, I think you can have really high expectations of what you can get from this. So everyone was like, yeah, they saw that. There's going to be weapons. There's going to be. And so we didn't get the pod mount. We didn't get the flight suit mount. I think girls can't even dress as 9S. Um, we didn't get the weapons. So I think that that's just going to be a looming specter over this, is that we had a couple of really strong expectations that weren't met. We didn't get our closure in a way. And I Mm -hmm. think that's tragic, because again, you go back and you look at the videos, everyone's having fun on launch day. Everyone loves it on launch day. Yeah. Um, I I guess going back to what I said earlier about uh, I know nothing about Mir, and I didn't have expectations. Uh, across the board, as we were reviewing those, my scores were higher than everyone else's because what mm-hmm. I was really looking at 
was how much fun I had in the raids themselves. They were great and, raids. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to what you said earlier, too, about um, you might play a Yokotaro game and be like, oh, this story was middling, but it was really fun! And I think that's kind of what we got! Yeah, yeah well, it's... you know... Go ahead. Fusion, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, well, you know, and coming back, right, after that, that last scene with, with Anug and Konog, you go back to, you know, the, the dig site chief, and basically the way that they, they sum up all of this is like, yeah, sometimes people just make mistakes, and that's just how it is. <laughs> and it's just like... What? Oh, there it is. That's the that's the commentary. The, the whole thing. Just some, sometimes stuff just doesn't make sense, and people people aren't right. The end. Like I mean, that's a fair. Like this is the thing. It's a fair observation. I think it's the way that it's communicated that will make the difference, right? Like, and this is the big thing for these raids. I I actually really love that we did this, and it's funny because before we did this cast, I this was the thing I was looking the least forward to. Sure. I mean, and I actually really do love digging into Yoko Taro as a creator, and I really want to play more of the games because I think he's fascinating. And I think that what he does mm -hmm. in games is really important and really interesting. So it wasn't that that made me not excited about this. It was the fact that as I was thinking about it, I was just like, I don't really... Um, okay, well, we'll try and break it down, and I guess, mm -hmm. you know, and I guess we'll just kind of see... And so I'm glad that we did because I think I've come away with it really enjoying a lot more of the components and the ideas behind it than I originally thought that I did or would. With that said, I think I do still feel a really strong divide because for me, I loved the content. I had fun in the raids. Like you said, day one, the music, the beats, the visuals, the bosses, the mechanics. I genuinely loved them. But the story for me, I did not feel like actually delivered, I think, the really impactful and interesting things that even we were able to draw out for them from this, right? Like, it's there, sure. but I just don't think the way that it came together was truly satisfying for me in so many ways. Like, I mean, the worst and most obvious just being the, like, okay, well, yeah, we have this weekly quest. You're going to run down this thing and then run back up. You click in, then you come right. back. And I was like, why? Like, I did have high expectations. And I agree in that within the confines of 14, I don't think that they, you know, these huge mind-blowing things were likely to be delivered. And I think that is a big issue, right? So I think there is a dissonance there. But at the same yeah. time, I also hoped that some of that creativity would come in in a way that to me felt innovative in a sense within the realm of MMOs. Like I, I didn't necessarily think that it had to be mind blowing, but I sure. also would have liked the narratives to have been a little bit stronger for me in certain ways and to have hit home those certain points in ways that felt more impactful. So that like, even if the point is that sometimes things just don't make sense and the world lets you down, but you know, there are little glimpses of hope within it, that's fine, but it needs to be told in a way in which it resonates with me. So I think mm -hmm. that was the big problem for me, that I really enjoyed the raids. I just didn't quite feel like the story came together in a really strong, cohesive way that had that emotional impact that I expected. I think, and yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at, I think. It's it's a lot of, I think, there, there was a lot of expectation going into this, right? Because even if you haven't necessarily played near, if, you know, if you're playing 14, chances are you may play other games, chances are you've probably heard of Yoko Taro and the crazy stuff that he does, right? So I think there there was definitely was this kind of expectation of just weird, you know, crazy shit right. that, that would happen. And it never really came. 
And, you know, we had sometimes in the quest where it's like, okay, people are, like, angry and stuff. Like, what's this going to lead to? And then nothing really happened from it. And then they're like, okay, now there's weekly quests. You're like, oh, oh okay, with, with no sign of, like, what it was going to lead to. And so because of that, right, everyone's like, oh, this is this is going to get, like, this is going to be good, yeah. right? We're going to do these weekly quests. We're going to get some big, crazy, like, poof, like your mind is going to explode. And instead, it's like, uh, yeah, the other dwarf just shows up. They walk away together into the sunset. Here's a weight of the world orchestrian role. And sometimes people <laughs> make mistakes at the end. Yeah. And it's just like, to oh, me, okay. <laughs> I wasn't looking for, like, Yokotaro weirdness. What I was looking for was for him to explore the medium of an MMO, right? Because mm. this is something that he's really, really good at, is the ludo-narrative kind of, you know, gameplay, mechanics, story, melding, right? And I wanted more of that out of the MMO, because we have a lot of people. There are a lot of mechanics you could do in these raids with, I saw this, no, I saw that, you know, the red girl. Like, the weekly quest, you could really build... You could you could have done you know ending A B C. We've got new game plus. You could have done it there. Like that would have been amazing. I don't think that would have been a great idea to make people do new game plus to I see was it. For it. But all these things, I know. Yeah. Like it was like ah, you you could do it. Like and those would have blown my mind. Even though it's, I was kind of expecting them. Yeah, it's weird, and I I feel kind of hypocritical a little bit, right? Because you know mm. we talked a little bit earlier about. Um, you know, something being canon when it's taking part in, like, another franchise, right? That idea of, well, if it's in 14, it should make sense within the context of 14. But then also, at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, but, like, where was this all this other crazy shit that he usually does in his other stuff, right? It didn't, you know, necessarily, it didn't really transfer in, but we were kind of expecting it. Like, even though, mm -hmm. you know, it, when you think about it, yeah, that would have been kind of weird to do that. But, like, people wanted it. Like, it's just, I think expectations were just so all over the place. Yeah. That it just nobody ended up coming away from it like oh like this was I'm, so great I, I want to ask Moose specifically because yeah. I know you're you're more invested in like Drakengard near than than anybody yeah. else here uh, did you walk away satisfied from from not necessarily like the mechanics and the raids themselves but like the narrative from this I don't think it's possible to walk away entirely satisfied from this because it's simultaneously from a marketing perspective, you have to be cashing in on the crossover of Nier Automata and at the same time cashing in on the on the uniqueness of Yoko Taro. And you can't do both of those things at once. Everyone's going to have, like you said, expectations are all over the place. So I, I didn't expect that this was going to be for me because this is an MMO. So I'm going to play both sides here for a minute. Um, because I mean, my role on this is white knighting for Yorha, mm -hmm. right? That was what you like <laughs> asked me. You told me that was my goal for this week, right? So we had high expectations for crazy shit, and it didn't get met in in the right way. We had high expectations for bigger, better rewards that didn't quite get met, even though we loved a lot of the ones we got. Um, and we have concerns about it not being as deeply enmeshed and integrated into the world of fourteen as we do. Um, and then it all just ends, and for what? And so when we're talking about Yoko Taro establishing something in the medium, 
I would argue that this is the way he's doing that. We all had to play this story together. We all had to fight these bosses together. We all had to watch these cutscenes together. And in the end, we all gained a little something and lost a little something. And we have all these pieces and no meaning. And now we have to discuss what that meaning is and make that meaning for ourselves and walk away from it with what we can make of it that is satisfying to us. We have to make it satisfying to ourselves. Welcome to life. That's life. Like that is something we are now all sharing is yeah. we got some stuff we loved. We got some disappointment and now we've got to make meaning of it. Ourselves. That's life. That's an MMO. Like, I love it. What I was thinking, like I've been <laughs> of two minds this whole time. Like I, I'm still not satisfied by the story because I could not pull the things that we've been talking about from it. Uh, but the discussion that we just had was very satisfying and having people tell me like, mm -hmm. oh, this means this and this particular mechanic like replicates things. And the, just having you guys explain to me <laughs> what all these uh, pieces from these other two, two or three other stories uh, mean or did was very interesting. So it's I absolutely agree with you. And then I like that yeah. everybody's used the word satisfied. And it's sad to me that we had to come to have a discussion to become satisfied with the story. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it was it was also nice. And I, Maybe I that was the point people. the whole time. Yeah, yeah I kind of hope that other people <laughs> take yeah. the time other too people, now. You all, have, you, all, you all have to play this together socially. Socialize. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. point, that it won't be fully satisfying until you socialize like you're supposed to in an MMO. I, okay, that is, I won. That is a worry I do have. Yeah, I out of my ass, but okay. I go for it. I guess he, he intended it all along. Fucking genius. <laughs> um, Aldino, did you want to go or? You go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All I was gonna say is just that I um, oh gosh, oh gosh, I have so many. There's so many things that I think are really good coming mm -hmm. out of this discussion. One, I absolutely love your interpretation, and I think that's incredible, and I do adore it. Like, yes, mm -hmm. I 100% agree with that for sure. Um. And yeah, at the same time, I think I've also seen games that do that in a really intriguing way, if that makes sense. Journey immediately comes to mind for yeah, me, right? Right. Like, if anybody hasn't played Journey, just go play it. It's on so many different platforms and people still play it. It's so good. It's like, Journey is... No, it's like an hour. It's like a movie. Yeah. It's like you sit down to do a movie with somebody. But that game breaks what we understand of game mechanics in order to communicate a point about communication, about the journeys that we take with each other. So again, do I think that within the context of an, a game format, and again, we don't know how much of this as well is very much influenced by 14's half, right? There could have been a lot of things and ideas that were like, let's do this, and they just couldn't, or they weren't willing to take the risk, or they thought it would really confuse players or whatever it was, right? So like, there's always that sort of collaboration we have to weigh in. But it would have been really interesting. Like, I love that at the end they pull the choices because that's yeah. even something like mm -hmm. in Life is Strange, seeing the different choices that were mm -hmm. made, that can be something that's really intriguing and it gets you talking. And, you know, that's another facilitator of those mechanics, you know, right? On, on so, that note, oh, though. Can no, I finish, finish, finish your thought? Finish your thought. Okay. Finish your thought. I, said, I just had like one little thing at the end. So it would have been interesting if we'd had more choices or or moments to weigh in with our own voice in a sense where we then got to see in the larger community how that related all of that to be said though i think it's really important and this is something that was really weird to me as we got into these raids the amount of people who are even yoko taro fans who would just say and we've even described it this way which is i know we have a larger connotation understanding of it so i know we're not using it in like a contrite way but like 
this is something that was so weird to me. Even people that were Yokotaro fans would say over and over and over, it's Yokotaro, it's not supposed to make sense. It's Yokotaro, it doesn't make any sense. Not supposed to, it's weird. It's so weird, it's so weird, it's crazy, and it doesn't make any sense. And yet, we see that as a creator, the way that he communicates is very specific. It's pointed. Yeah. He uses all kinds of stuff to communicate. He references all kinds of things. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's that the way that it is communi uh, communicated to you is something that you may not always be familiar with. So you have to get into these more absurdist ideologies. You absurdist have to start a podcast and talk about it for two and a half hours. You, yeah, That's the only way it's going to make it out. Okay? Like, you have to break down the symbolism. You have to look at a lot yeah. of things because it is not the conventional story you may expect. Um, so that was all that I wanted to say at the end because so many people constantly talk about how like these quests are just not like it just it bugs mm -hmm. me. It just right. irks me mm -hmm. in this discussion. I want to yeah. play my closure point off of your closure point. I think um, first off, this idea that like oh it's Yoko Taro, it's not supposed to make sense. Like I've I, I feel like I've said it that way flippantly before, but I feel like sure. the people who truly earnestly believe it's that simple have never seen him give a lecture with his mask off, have never seen him mm -hmm. at a game developers conference talking about how you manage, you know, kind of resources versus budget, how you decide Wait, how many the, characters. The mask comes maybe. off. Yeah. There's a couple game developers conferences where he's talked about yeah. how to write weird stories for weird people. I thought that was just part of his his budget. face, like like the like the Doctor Doom mask. He is a calculating he, dude. He's an intelligent dude. He thinks really hard about kind of what his options are, um, and I, I think that they don't give him a lot of credit for that. And it, the one mm -hmm. way I would point that out is if you look at all of the weird connections between the games he never stumbles over and makes inconsistent ones for as crazy as that conspiracy web is it is consistent from game to game to game to game because it all comes back to the watchers and and the virus and it just you can't make sense of it but he never stumbles over it from game to game it's always very clean chaos in a way mm -hmm. um so my my closure point is this idea that like look Yoko Taro getting caught between the vision he has and the resources he has and the final product having some unmet potential, that's on brand. You wanted Yoko Taro, you got Yoko Taro. Sorry, that's what he does. Like, like Automata is, is the exception, it's not the rule. Yeah. I, I just, you, I, I, you know, because it's Yoko Taro and it's an MMO, like my, my last point here is what if there was more. What if someone picked Konog instead of Anog? Would that ending be different? Would we not see a ghostly Anog because we didn't will her back? You know, like, these are the things you start thinking about because it's Yoko Taro. I think putting him in here made us do this, right? Made us overanalyze in such a way. Because then you could go, oh, the mm -hmm. Seeds of Destruction went to every server, and every server did it differently. You know what I mean? Like, you can just start going out it. of... Just way out, yeah. But yes, but they didn't. And yeah, like you're saying, that's the point. Like, he he comes with this baggage, right? This like, oh, you're gonna get, oh, you're gonna get it. Just wait, just wait, just wait until you see what he can do. And it's like, no, that's not, that is not how the world works, right? That's just not I'm, how it goes. He's not your dancing monkey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm almost more satisfied by the idea that we were a social experiment. Sure. 
you know, just because and, in and, the end, those stats were so similar. We yeah, it really was. But, experiment, you guys. But look, like, like, like Moose was saying earlier too. Like the 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 story doesn't really change all that much, no. right? Depending on who you pick from that. So then, what was the point of the choice the... at all? Social experiment, just to know, just to, to make know. you mm-hmm. to make you think about your stance, the implications, yeah. to make you think about. To, I, I think mean, by trick you honestly, analyzing the by, a little deeper than by, you would have. By yeah. the time I got to that last question, so, so remember that that one choice, right? That yeah. one choice was like the first like quest, that first raid, right, in like five point one, mm-hmm. and then we we come all the way to we're now you know five point five, and then like four weeks after that to do the daily quests, and they're like, hey, look all all the you know who picked what choice, and I'm like, I don't even remember what the choice was. I like I don't I picked a dude I don't know why like I I don't remember any like of, of that right, so stuff. It was also and, to test your memory. I guess I failed. I remember my choice. Like, I remember who it was. Well, I, well, I, mean, I, I know I know who I picked, but I don't remember why. The right? Context. I don't remember okay. what the what the context of that of that choice was. And 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 I have said it a million times before. Right? I hate that idea of uh, choosing different options that could uh, you know affect the outcome and therefore like question what the canon choice is right mm. um but like to to just have like that one like option and be like yeah this is what people picked like so like who cares like why does that matter i don't understand it like it's like i like I those kind of games where you get to see stats like that but those are always stats it's like okay there's like 10 15 different choices and they all have repercussions this is just like yeah we'll, we'll see which one you liked more and then uh you get the same ending it and a, it doesn't make a any, choice like, of I, reckless versus like cautious that's kind of significant but it, to it know ultimately didn't change any like i just i don't know it, it seems really weird. weird like he played like a telltale game he's like yeah i want to do that and then they're like we can do one question to collect data Con- on. He's like, conspiracy oh. theory that entire mm-hmm. choice was just a focus group test question so he would know kind of what people were thematically resonating with, so right. he could design, he could like tweak the ending a little bit. Especially sure. experiment, man. Uh, maybe who knows? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, know. I thought it was interesting that that so many, like twice as many people, picked reckless over cautious. I find that really interesting. Well, what's interesting to me is that I didn't even view it as reckless or cautious. I viewed it as I'm trying to think of a, like two good words to do this. Ex- hmm, accepting versus wary, perhaps, or okay. um, when I was presented with that choice, I really did think the options were, do we, are we curious? Are we interested in a being we don't understand? Are we willing to overcome our own fears, hesitancies, lack of understanding? Um, are people willing to put themselves out there because we have this strange innate desire to connect, to reach out, to be curious about things? Or are we ruled by fear, worry, caution, hesitance, fear of the unknown? To me, that's much more what it was. And I guess in a sense, one could be considered reckless and one could be considered cautious. What did you pick? I picked curiosity. That's because really interesting me, because uh, you picked curiosity, and you saw that as the good one. I picked caution because I saw that one as the good one, whereas right. I saw the other one as reckless. I mean, I guess that's where the di- diversity of thought yeah. and, and analysis goes in, right? Um, I agree with you, though, Fusion, in the sense that I do feel like that kind of thing is more da- dynamic and interesting from a player standpoint, 
when the choices do lead to diverse repercussions, if that makes sense, or like if they really do, if they're really difficult moral questions as well, which is when I really mm -hmm. think that it gets very fascinating. And so like, I'm, I'm in the middle on it because on one hand, I do actually really like the way that it can be interpreted. And I really like mm -hmm. that they put something like that in there. But, and I think it does reinforce some of the themes as well, but I do wish that, you know, if that's what they were going to do again, we'd built out some of their quest things to again, have more reflections of that or, you know, yeah. have, have a moment where even if you could convince the council to, you know, yeah. be less hostile, then you could see something there. Like how many players were able to do that or who mm -hmm. even bothered, who didn't even talk to them, you know, like that would have been really cool. Um, been I mean, yeah. we're, we're speculating because we, we got what we got, but that doesn't mean that if we all chose something different, there'd be a different one who talked to the seer, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a thing that could happen. I mean, it probably does mean that it wasn't a thing that could have happened, but what if we all chose the, the opposite? Would Konog be the one? Right. Instead of Anog, you know, like, yeah. could we have changed it? That's what it left me with, but, like, hey, but like, could what we have done it? What it have made, yeah. ultimately? Can I, can I call like, you out for a second, Fusion? Just, like, yeah. not, in a, not in a mean way, but like, okay. Oh, uh, oh, we were, okay. when we were talking about uh, Kikiran stuff before, you were so against the different options, right? Yes. And, and now I feel like you're you're challenging it like, we have different options and they didn't matter. But before it seemed like you really would prefer that they didn't matter. Well, so and, and, and again, here? Don't, don't forget that I did call myself a bit of a hypocrite, right? right. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird, right? And I think a lot of that just comes from the expectation of something weird. Right, this okay. this weird Yoko Taro element, but like, it, it for me, it's it's mostly just because you know I, I played most of like the like the Telltale Walking Dead games and stuff mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. Where they give you that that big tally, and so to me, like showing the numbers, like for one option, and that option really didn't change anything. Like I right. don't understand why they would show the option at all. It just it just doesn't make sense to me. It's not like did you decide okay. to kill this one character? Yes or no? Like. You know, so, like, it's, if there were more options, it would have been more interesting, more worthwhile to explore that data. Right. But as it okay. was, I just, I don't understand where they're like, let's show what everybody picked, even though it doesn't matter. And it's like, all right. Like uh, like I was saying earlier, and this this could very well just be personal opinion about sure. how I feel about the stories and, and analytics and whatnot. But uh, we, what I said earlier was that I was satisfied, more satisfied with the discussion of the story than the story itself, Right. Yes. So uh, now, just the fact that Rook and I had that little back and forth where it's like, ah, you picked this because you felt this way about it. And I picked this because I felt this way about the options. I found that just really cool. I thought that was a really neat little little tidbit, right? And mm -hmm. which is, granted, just the discussion about those pretty much useless facts. I think it yeah. also comes down to in the game versus out of the game, too. Like, you, I think... You wanted that in the game, not in a discussion outside yes. of the game about yes. it, right? Yes. And I think that's the, one of the... The story, the story needs... And we talked about this before, yeah. right? The yeah, story exactly. needs to make context... It makes sense with the context of in the game. Like, we we shouldn't have to be talking... God, two and a half hours already talking <laughs> about this to even get it to make just, like, a little bit of sense. Like, we shouldn't need that. The story should be a good, good enough to explain itself, right? But again... Now, one thing that I would have made, I think made it would have made a huge difference in this, mm -hmm. and this would have been so fascinating. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, this would have been so cool. Would have been if this poll had happened at like the time that we actually had it in the game. 
And if the choice that had been presented right early on in this story had been something where as a community or something like that, we had a week to make a decision. This would have been so fascinating. And like maybe buff out a little bit of this quest and a little bit of the context because players are going to be more drawn to 9S, right? But like maybe there's a bigger discussion about like, do we ally or do we trust in 2B or do we trust in, uh, or, or, sorry, like those sorts of other characters or do we do this or do we do that? And are we going to like focus more on the dwarves or are we going to push out and maybe risk it by going into the ruins and doing something else? And if there had been a moment where they had said like this week, if you all gather in this place or something, see if you can convince each other of this. Go to like this guy and put your ballot in the box by the end of the week and the rest of this quest will be different because of it. That would have been fascinating. Mm -hmm. And if it had all been something where it was like yeah. in-game have these discussions or post screenshots of it or like if they engaged on like a larger scale and where like- community. Exactly. And if the, the sort of question presented had been Again, a little more complex or a little bit, and it could have built on the exact same premise they had, but have it be something like that. And then we would see, you know, what that meant for the community. And it would have been so cool if, like, you had chosen to be more cautious with Konog or something. And in the end, Konog is accepted by the community, but, like perhaps the discoveries he would have made about the androids, they just don't exist. And the ending that we have or something like that is that he does have a place amongst his people and the community accepts him, but because he never took those risks or something, that like, yeah. he was able to yeah. fit in, but at the cost of maybe discovering something new. And if you'd chosen Anog, then like, maybe she is exiled. Maybe the people, they don't, they don't resonate with her. They don't like her anymore. They don't, you know, they're skeptical of her. They're, they're cautious of her. But she goes on to make these discoveries. That would have been really neat. And like, you still could have had the quest be playable for mm. players afterwards so that it again was an arc that made sense. But it would have given this moment that I think would have tied together those themes of like community and a discussion in a community and all this stuff and the, the platform of an MMO. It would have given so much weight to it. I would have loved that. I would have loved that. I, I really thought I was done commenting on this mm -hmm. one. Like I thought, I thought I was done, but I'm listening to this conversation. Just when you thought, <laughs> and yeah, like ten ten minutes apart, we've gone from. I just wanted like we had such high expectations for nonsensical, mind blowing mm -hmm. nonsense. Like we had, we just wanted utter craziness, and like it, it just wasn't. You know, it was much more tame than we expected. It was underwhelming. And then two breaths later, why do we have to talk about the story? The story should just make sense. It should be clear. It should like it should be self evident. I just so I, I, my... I again I want to repeat that I did <laughs> use that the, the hypocrite so word little, yeah. a little bit, little bit right. I, no, I saved I'm my saying, ass ahead of time. I'm I'm changing my mind. Yoko Taro is a genius madman. He's playing 5D chess. Y'all don't know what you want. You can figure it out for yourselves because if he gives you anything, he's going to upset half the people. The end. <laughs> okay. I like your last point on the outline is actually, that's life. That's life. That's life. Okay. I want to, can I, can I, can I do one thing before we close that conversation? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Please. I just want to say like, if you, if you had any like, questions or interest in the stuff about what we were talking about from Drakengard, Automata, Rep. <laughs> Dragon Dig goes to stuff. Tokyo, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So if you were if you were listening to that like, what the hell? That sounds weird and cool. Please play his other games. Go in with the expectation that they're they're janky as all hell in some points, but it, it is a novel experience. Give them a shot. They're a really memorable time. 
I think everybody should kind of experience them for themselves. And if you just want to make sense of them, the videos by Klemps are amazing. Yep. Please go check those out yes. too. Yes. I was gonna, that's what I watched. That's the only reason I know anything about it. Yep. Yep. I, I said earlier too, I'm like, I, I watched a YouTube video. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably one of theirs. Um, okay. We are two and a half hours in. Yeah. Oh boy. We really done did it, huh? So, I feel like there's more Zadnor stuff than Yorhas stuff. I mean, we can we can skip a lot of it, honestly. No, I we mean, can't. No, we cannot. So, so no. I I I'm going to ask a question. We're we're gonna you know f it. We're doing it live. Uh, Do we need? To, God help us. Make a part three. Oh my lord. I mean, the implications of Zadnor are kind of are really fun to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. There really I mean, is. Yeah. But you can skip the whole damn part. See, that's the thing. Like, the setting the things in place, you can skip that whole thing other than, like, two points. I'm two sorry. Bullet I'm points too... <laughs> Aldino, you're killing me inside. No, you what? can't skip the whole thing. There's so much important lore no, talking... to my no, RP no, no. character. We can't <laughs> skip it. I'm talking about <laughs> you so... placing dams. Like, nobody needs to care that we went here oh, and placed the I dam mean... and then came back. That's, that's all fair. of the quests. That's literally I mean... all of the quests. I am actually, what's funny to me is that I don't think the Zadnar lore is actually in the quest. It's in all the field notes. Yeah, exactly. And these field notes all are... All 50 of them. <laughs> monsters. There's so much. I mean, and the critical engagements and and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There's a lot in there. Yeah, there's um, a lot I mean, here's to... I just started scrolling. There's um, so many pages I lost count, guys. We can't can't do this. I, but okay. most of it is useless. What? Hold on, hold on. I have I have one olive branch to offer because I'm 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 hearing a lot of tension here. I'm hearing I'm hearing a lot of tension of like, you know, we want to like stick to our guns, not let people down. Talk talk about what we say we were going to talk about, mm-hmm. and also we want to make we want to make sure that we talk about it right. Um, is there an olive branch to offer where if if we did put it off because it means so much for you to hit all your talking points and talk about these things that mean so much to you that we instead of just talking about Zadnor in a vacuum were able to connect it to kind of the save the queen storyline and all of the field notes in general like we could spend our whole time on it no anonymous that makes way too much sense and mm-hmm. give people way too much of a cohesive <laughs> vision of the entirety of the lore yeah. of Boja. no we can't do what that what it comes no. down to though is joking how much longer does everybody want to sit here tonight because it's probably going to be like four hours let's be honest um i'm fine with it that's a really long time I well don't, know if you guys don't ask me that question my yeah. entire yes. okay. my entire goal in playing 14 was i just want to build like a community of people who can talk about stuff pleasantly exactly. and get along and like mm-hmm. disagree while still having a good time while well, just sit around our campfire and yell at each other and have fun like it's just like hanging out in the backyard i could do this for 12 hours mm-hmm. i don't yes. care this yes. is up to on you guys and your show though, look <laughs> here's the thing though, will we be able to get you back do you have time to yes. come back for a, a third week for us so well actually point. really fast i want to i, I want to talk go ahead okay uh-huh. i want to talk this in really quick any other day i would do it i would yeah. stay here for four more hours okay. and i would do it but i have gilbert's two raid tonight and tomorrow i have a big event that i need to like be yeah. ready for <laughs> so like i would any day do this but for me, it would be today we'd either have to do a condensed version in which I would be deeply unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay. So again, like we talked about and we learned from Nier, you don't always have to be satisfied to <laughs> still have a rewarding journey. So, like, that's the thing. But, Moose, I would say 
I, we are here and we'll be here every Saturday. But if you want to come back for a longer discussion, I'm all about that. Uh, if you can't, obviously, we completely understand. But, like, talking with you is always super fun. Like, I love it. So it's I, up to you. I'm so honored just to hear that, that I would gladly make time for a third. <laughs> Aww. What is... What was, what was it Miyamoto said? A, a delayed Aetherite radio is eventually good, but mm. a rushed That's a, exactly radio his is words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly his words. Said. Okay, so <laughs> here's here's what we'll 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 talk about this off stream and and, and not bore you guys with calendars and dates right now, um, but we will we will figure this out. Um, check you know keep an eye out on our our Twitter Aetherite radio. Uh, we'll let you guys know when this is going to be. Uh, I know originally we did talk about uh, taking a break next week. I'm going to be out of town. Mm. Um, we talked about the week after being episode 200. Maybe we'll should push that back another week and we'll just do another Lorecast. Because why the hell not? Um, so not we'll, we'll figure that. 200 if it's Lorecast 15. Yeah. Correct. We actually joked Correct. about it. Keep pushing it back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> just, we can just keep going. Um, so, yeah, we'll figure that out off stream. We'll let you guys know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, and, and again, right? <laughs> all of this the msq yorha zadnor this was gonna originally be one episode mm -hmm. um we were fools we were fools <laughs> we we, I mean, we were dumb yeah we were very dumb when um so i was doing the zadnor part and i'm in dalrada and i'm writing down stuff for the bosses i'm writing down like the battle text i'm like no this is um yeah this is gonna be something if you ever need that stuff just let me know Okay, I definitely like, might. Just ping me and be like, here's a line. I need all the lines around it. Oh. Because, like, the way I do my lore, my lore brewery, I, uh -huh. plug the, um, I plug the Garland tools thing into ah, kind yeah. of like a file structure. So I can very quickly find find stuff. We like have that, we but. have the technology. Yes. We can find the bubble text. Um, We're gonna go real deep. With, if you need help with prep and it's lore related, let me know. I can get you that. I can get <laughs> okay. The text. So that's that's what we'll do. So this will be the Yorha episode, and then we'll have a we'll just have a save the queen episode yeah. uh, for for the next uh, show Lorecast. We'll figure that out. We'll let you guys know the details on that. Um, crazy discussion. Amazing discussion. Um, you know, we, we, we joked, right, coming into this. I just want your how to make a little more sense. And it yeah. does after yeah, that. I don't know. I, I could at least accomplish my mission. I do. I, I don't. I do, yeah. Like, I did my job at least. You I, I don't know if it There's was for me, but it, it does make more sense now. And, yeah. and that's good. That's always nice to have that perspective. So uh, let's go ahead. Is there anything else? Uh, Rook, before we close out, you got some cool stuff going on tomorrow. Um, why don't you, why don't you plug that? Let people plug know, uh, what's going on. <laughs> Thank you, friend. Yes, I'm really excited. Uh, tomorrow, so for those of you in the future, sorry, this may already be passed, but those of you who are listening now or in the morning tomorrow on Sunday, which will be June 13th, um, I'm really excited to be actually a featured co-streamer for Twitch Gaming's gathering that's happening right now with E3 and alongside all of that, I'm going to be covering and I've been asked to cover the Xbox Bethesda Showcase, so I'm going to be live on my own channel and live on Twitch.tv, Twitch Gaming. You're going to be able to watch my reactions to all the news that's coming out. Um, Xbox ridiculously kindly sent some amazing loot with a Pride controller and an Xbox Series X. Um, I'm so, 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 so pumped. Um, all of my, you know, reactions are my own tomorrow, but I can't wait. We're going to be talking in the post show about all the news that was released, and I'm just looking forward to everything they have in store on the horizon. So Xbox Bethesda happens right before the Square Enix showcase. I'll be doing that, and then 
in the in-between where those two bridge the gap. And I, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So definitely. And you're, and, you're, and you're driving a robot. I'm driving a robot. I'm going to be talking. I'm going to do interview stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening. Um, but you can find that over on Twitch.tv, Bird of Chess. And then also simultaneously over on Twitch.tv, Twitch Gaming. Thanks. Ten-year-old you is very impressed right now. Getting getting <laughs> fancy controllers and, and driving robots. Like, straight up no joke. Ten-year-old me, I don't even know. I can't even... My mom hated video games. I told, I've told a lot of you, I bought a copy of Final Fantasy XI. This was like one of the only games that I bought with my own money when I was really young. I bought a copy of it. I was so excited to play it. We did not have a computer that could run it because my mom always bought discount computers. She'd never let me have a console, nothing. 10 year old me thought that video games were like only what failures did. <laughs> <laughs> And that, like, you would never love them or be passionate about them if you really wanted to have a future. And I mean, just look at us all now. Like, well, it's incredible. You know, I, it's amazing. I think by that by that definition, you are one of the biggest failures I know. I'm a huge, <laughs> huge mega failure. That's I'm true. So, I'm so glad to have a kindred spirit on the on the struggle with starting Eleven Train. I bought Eleven the day it came out because I was so stoked to play it. And I, I like you, my computer didn't quite run it right. My big mm -hmm. problem was I couldn't figure out how to pay for it, how to like yeah. make an account that would take my money. Oh, so play online. I, I bought the game as like a high school freshman and I didn't mm -hmm. play the game until a high school senior. It just sat around in my room. I, I started I started it like my senior year too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it on, I got it on yep. PlayStation so my hardware could run it. And then uh, later I, I, I converted to PC, but I did boot up the PS2 again later with it because there was some kind of weird payment thing that they were changing, mm -hmm. but you could get out of it, but only if you changed it via the uh, PS2 cloud. Yeah, when I couldn't run it on <laughs> PC, I bought it on PlayStation 2, and that one sat next to the PC one on the shelf for three years because I couldn't figure out where to get like yeah. the hard drive and the network adapter, yeah. and the, I was trying to like, like you install. Didn't, you didn't buy the bundle? No, I no. didn't know there was a bundle. Like, <laughs> a bundle what did you buy then? Because you could only get the, the base. You could only get the base version with the bundle. Well, that explains why I had so much trouble then. Because like I was trying to like. Yeah. Okay, I had like. Cut what did you do? Like buy Mafia? I bought it off of eBay. Like I bought yeah. everything else off. Uh, when I was like oh. thirteen. Yeah, it was a mis. So you yeah, got like, a sitting, sad copy. I was sitting there in my room at like like thirteen years old. I had cut up a gift card from Barnes and Noble so that I could key like key into the disc thing and swap discs. Mm -hmm. I was trying to install yeah. homebrew from the memory card, like yeah. trying to like load in oh third God. party hardware. It was a mess. Yeah. And I went to stream lengths to play that game and it didn't it took three years. I tried to. I feel you. I as I tell everybody, I thought the system requirements were a system suggestion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, just tried, I don't i feel I like i've never so heard much. this story before this is amazing that's just the tagline that's just the tagline i actually didn't play the final fantasy mmos until 14 and i think it was actually college a friend had it on playstation and was like did you ever play final fantasy 11 and i was like thinking about that copy of mm -hmm. it that I had that mm -hmm. I had tried for a thousand weeks. yard stare. I know, you know. She was yeah, like, well, 14 came out. Why don't you try 14? And I made a femru, and when she had to pry that controller out of my hands. She was mm. like, Rook, you've been in character creator for five hours. I don't want to watch you do this anymore. Um, and I was like, no. That's, right. that's, 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 that's crazy. Yeah, if yeah. you're not spending yeah. hours in the character creator, you're doing yeah. it wrong. I don't know what I you're think doing. I had I had played a lot of 
Yeah. I played a lot of uh, Fantasy Star on Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when they announced, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a... You know, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy, right? I was familiar with it. I wasn't like, oh, my God, Final Fantasy, right? But I, I played, you know, like, 8. I loved 8, 7, uh, a little bit of 9, 10. You know, right? And so I'm like, oh, Final Fantasy. And it's online. I'm like, that's really cool. So, like, for my birthday one year, I'm like, I want this thing. Though, like, at the time, right? Because it was a subscription <laughs> game, right? So, like, mm-hmm. when PSO like episode two came out and required money it's like oh well we're not gonna play that one right because we have to pay for that one so i'm like well i'll try i'll play around with final fantasy right a little bit right i'll play around with 11 but then i'll have a hard drive for my playstation Mm -hmm. (laughs) for like all what three four games that supported it (laughs) um shout out resident evil outbreak um and so Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a good game. I, um, I really want that one to come back out. I never got to play it. I got to watch it played, and I. Just I would love. I would love back. a new outbreak, but instead we get yeah. other garbage things that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So yeah. in chat saying that system requirements are like suggested serving size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. It was something else. It was something else. So it's pretty yeah. amazing to be here now, and although it's a. Fairly long, a long shot tomorrow. I'm still, I'm holding out. Work to game got me excited for this. I'm holding out that maybe Xbox will announce Final Fantasy 14 is coming. I, uh, I don't think. Bra. I mean, I think they just recently <laughs> even said something like it's not going to happen ever. But there's a little yeah. part of me that's like, but maybe you. I mean, feel, though. yeah, like they talked about it happening, ever? and then I feel like they came back and they said no. I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't know anymore. Like, yeah, who knows? Inconsistency I just, means yes, but we can't talk about it, right? Yeah, exactly, right? I just I just want to see my Black Panther DLC and that Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> announcement. That's all I care about for tomorrow. All right. Yeah. That's going to do it for us for today. Uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in. If you want, you can email us, Radio at GamerEscape.com. You can tweet at us at Radio. You can also find us on Discord, discord.gg slash Gamerscape. We have an Aetherite Radio channel on there. You can talk to us about the show. We have a lore channel on there where you can talk about, you guessed it, lore. Uh, and, of course, you can find us uh, on Twitter and Facebook as Gamerscape. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Keep an eye on that Twitter, um, and we'll let you know when we do part three of the, the, the 5.5 forecast. This is, this we won't make you wait too long. No, it'll be in the next few weeks for sure. So Maurice, keep an eye out um, for that. Thank you for, Maurice, thank you for apologizing in chat for punching your microphone like three times. Yeah, we. What could get That mic knows what it did. Um, so yeah, we'll see you guys here uh, in the next couple weeks. Here, uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of E3, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.